Hello and welcome everyone to a very, 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 very special edition of the Rumble Pack podcast, where we, for our very, well, our one and only our episode very, 50. very, 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 <laughs> very, very, we're very excited. We are. To it's f- come, we've come a long way to get here. And the moment's really getting to me. I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, I'm not quite living up to the expectation of the, our of our episode 50. They call the 50th uh, of something the, the silver anniversary. There we go. Our silver anniversary. Nah, that's uh, 25. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I remember from WrestleMania 25. Oh, right. Yeah, which was actually WrestleMania 26. Mm. But they called it the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. Look, numbers are the best left behind. Yeah, that's uh, why. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of podcasts that do numbers well, but we're not one of them. And uh, But today is episode 50, and we are very excited to be visiting and revealing to each other mm. our own top 50 games lists yes. of all time. Special uh, presentation to each other. Yeah, yeah. And so you think we'd know you, you, what each yeah. other's favourites are? I mean, I feel like we got a good idea, but yeah, we don't know for sure. No, and it's uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting process, uh, as you know. As today, it's Will's turn, and it'll be my turn next week. But of course, Will, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We're here to talk about you yep. and you alone. Your thoughts well, and feelings yeah. and what's going on inside that smooth head. Yep. In in relation to 50 games plus honourable mentions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you uh, There's always you had a bit of a meltdown an- getting it down to 50 games, so you decided to do 100 games Yep. and then just talk about the top 50, which is the same thing, but you just had to do the 100. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was just no, a bit of a... No. It was a bit of a... There was a pool of 50 games that could be honourable mentions, but it was like a pool and they weren't ordered. It was just that there was 50 games I wrote down that were like, I love all these, but they're not in the 50. But then when I finalized my list, uh, uh, about four of them actually came up and four got demoted. Oh, right. I actually did a final mm. swap of a few, and um, which I'm comfortable with now, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it took me... Well, we we actually wrote... So, two, we've been... I don't know exactly how long we've been doing the podcast for, but in 2021, we both decided that when we get here, this is going to be the episode... And we've had a we've each had a word doc on our cloud storage, saying like mine is called "Don't Open Luke" and yours is called "Don't Open Will." Do not touch top fifty, uh, you know, plans inside mm. uh, for like two years. So this is honestly not that I think about it all the time, but this has been on my mind for like two years. <laughs> oh yeah, it's been uh, it's been uh, for for better or worse, it's been on your mind for two years. I think it's well, too long of a lead in for the mental health, mm. but it was a it was an exercise that had to happen. Um, yeah, I'm glad to have uh, come to a, some somewhat conclusion mm. on it. But as you can see, because I've made a lovely slide, like a deck PDF presentation here in the studio to show Luke while we're doing this. And as you can see on the bottom right, it says 2023 edition. No, oh, because there's no. always room <laughs> for improvement. No, just say first edition. There's always room for improvement. Well, in fact, I, I could change it to first edition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's always room based on future games to to, to move it. I don't want to. De- I don't. Want, I don't want to define it as the forever. So it says right now. It says twenty twenty three edition. And I'm happy to update it yearly if anything deserves its place. And you know, you you basically you've just become FIFA and Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah. I'm 
Because you're going to have 99% of the same product every year. I'm a franchise. Year. Yeah. yeah. Changing barely anything each year, <laughs> expecting everyone to take it up. Yeah. Think of the money. Yeah, I know. Well, they think do make the, money. Think of the moolah. Yeah. yeah. Moolah. Yeah. Moolah is good. So, uh, Will, is there anything, any sort of uh, opening thoughts uh, or anything you wanted to offer the uh, the audience before we dive into your honourable top 50 mentions? Um, I guess it's funny when you start planning a list of like top 50 games. You autom- I don't know, considering we've both been playing games our whole lives, I, autom- I automatically assumed that I would have so many more to like it would it would be so hard to choose I'd have just so many and obviously I said like I had 50 a pool of 50 but realistically I had probably like a a, a grouping of about 65 games to make up the top 50 mm. that I knew like they're definite contenders but considering how many games we've played over our lives I just assumed it would be way more so it made it um I guess easier in a way but then the hardest part is deciding the the placement <laughs> the placement within especially the top like the top 20 games uh and it all just comes down to uh what uh what means the most to you in terms of uh value it gave to your life and not necessarily you know the uh, technical aspects of the game or anything like that i think Mm. so yeah took some uh yeah i don't know if i call it soul searching but it'd be like it i definitely took some thought to decide especially on number one because um yeah, there was about four. There was like four different games that I thought could be number one for like at different points, and then there was one game that uh, isn't number one. That for about the last three months until last week, I thought that was going to be it. But then I when I really really thought about it, and and I actually put on music from both, and I decided that a different one. So, uh, but I feel good about it. Now. I feel fine about it. Well, and that's the thing to remember as you listen to this list, everyone, is that it's actually, uh, of course, our own. Personal favorite, so it's not mm. even uh, necessarily a list of what we. Yeah, it's not best. Objectively, think are the best games, yeah. Uh, yeah. whether that be story or mechanics or, you know, just the smoothest experience you could mm. have. It's what yeah. m- means the most to us. Yeah. Uh, essentially, and therefore being the best in our lives. Yeah, think of the classic uh, top ten boss boss battles in Sonic on YouTube by some creator, and at the study says this is just my opinion. Yeah. Because you know the backlash is coming no matter what you say. So this isn't best. This is uh, the top 50 most impactful to our lives mm. in a way. Most significant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and even think of our own podcast where we did boss battles. Yep. Forget everything you ever thought you knew about how we ranked things. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that was that was the rule. That was the law for the world going forward. That is the it was. What the Bible. <laughs> that is the that is the the Bible of uh, what makes and breaks a good boss battle. Yeah, but this f- this this one this episode it's not defining everyone else's lives. I like can say for sure that I don't ever mention. I don't think I mention a boss battle in any of the top fifty I've got. <laughs> I don't think mm. boss battles define uh, define a game. Although there's a couple of games where it's like large scale fights are sort of central, but yeah, nothing is defined by any sort of boss battle. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's exciting. We've both got a beer. We're a, it's sort of a celebration because we've come 50 episodes strong. I mean, we've actually done more than that. We've done like 80-something episodes hmm. uh, based on all the other bonus ones and things. Um, but in the core episodes over a few years, we had a break for certain reasons. We've finally come to 50, so it's a bit of a celebration too, so good for us. The rumble, no, Episode 50 in the, the Rumble Arium. Yes. Mm. Yes. The Rumbletonian. Working title. 
working title. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Just like my top fifty. Yeah, working is a working list. <laughs> so Forever. we've got. Uh, I'm just just to quickly touch on. I'm drinking uh, Deeds Draft by Deeds Brewing. Yep. Out of Glen Iris in Melbourne. Yep. It's a it's proudly independent, established 2012, and it's quite a nice drop. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. In my lovely Foo Fighters stubby holder. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And Will offered me a beer and I said, yeah, sure. And then he got out my beer, <laughs> which is really kind of him. We use Stone and Wood Pacific Ale. For the fourth uh, or fifth I don't review. Have the, I, don't, I don't have the bottle with me. It's, I poured it into a glass. So it's from Byron Bay, I'll say that. Mm. Um, and it's, yeah, what a lovely drop of ale mm. from the Pacific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so are you ready um, to get into it, Will? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's ease our way I'm, in. I'm ready. Let's start. Honourable well, mentions. Well, that's the thing. It's like we can start with honourable mentions. That's like foreplay. You oh, know? yeah. Let's just start with a little a few teasers. A few looseners. Um, and I have 10 here on the page. And uh, when I was thinking about it, I, I, I'm going to say the 10. I'm going to say the 10. Uh, but when I was thinking about it, that's not on there. There's three games that I just want to just, I won't even speak on them. I just want to mention their names that I think of, like I love. Are these honorable? This is honorable, honorable, honorable mentions. mentions. <laughs> All right. And I was like, I should actually just say it because I like, I love these three games. Um, and that's Forza Horizon, uh, Gears of War games, and Cold of the Lamb are all games that I love. And took took lots of time out of my life because I enjoyed them, but they're not on the deck. I just mm. want to say it. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So that's the honourable honourable mentions. Do you feel? <laughs> how's that? For uh, well, that was a great first segment. Yeah. Very smooth. Well, and I, I don't want to touch on them because they're not. It's, they're not official. They're not in the document. Yeah. Okay. So let's go with honourable mentions. All right. We hit it. Oh, I've got to change screen to <laughs> to click the thing. Sorry, technical difficulties. <laughs> all right. Honorable mentions. So let's go. Th- I'll just go through them quick. Well, I won't touch on any in super detail, but we've got Batman Arkham Asylum, um, Legendary, a great game. I think the thing about these 10 is that all 10 of them could easily be on be on a list for me. And the fact that they've missed, I think, should speak to the quality of the games that are on my list. Um, and a few of these, as I said, got swapped out late. So some of these were on my um uh, top 50 at a point, including Batman Arkham Asylum, which I dropped for um, for reasons. For something. For reasons. So <laughs> we've got Batman Arkham Asylum. Uh, it Takes Two. Great game, Kyle game that we played together last year. They were actually one game of the year uh, for us. Mm, yep. Oh, no, the year before, I think, 2021. A long time ago. Um, the 2021 Game of the Year Rumbly. And it won the Game of the Year Award at the Game Awards. Yes, well. it did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kirby's Dream Course. Really fun little golf game that that I love, but just not good enough for the fifty. Uh, Persona Five Royal, very stylized, um, very interesting long game that uh, I really like, but uh, I can't I can't put it in the fifty because it's it's almost uncompletable. It's so big. Mm. Um, Pikmin Three is uh, is down here in the honorable mentions. Um, I love Pikmin Three. I've played. I've basically started playing Pikmin all this year. I won't touch on Pikmin though. We actually Pikmin was our episode last week, so we won't touch on Pikmin. <laughs> uh, Luigi's Mansion. Uh, and I've got the 3DS version on the screen there. It's a GameCube game, but I played it through properly for the first time on the 3DS uh, remake, and uh, I love that game. It's just a great, great game. It's almost, it's pretty much Nintendo Resident Evil. It plays just like Resident Evil game. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Pokemon Pinball, Ruby and Sapphire is uh, almost like my guilty pleasure. Always play Pokemon Pinball um, on my new analog pocket. I always play it uh, just in bed. Uh, Rayman Legends, great 2D platformer. Very fun, uh, stylish art and uh, wacky music and everything that we played a fair bit together over the over the years. Yeah, heaps. Um, Super Mario Galaxy 2 feels like a, a huge... I feel like the game probably feels really ripped off of not being in my top 50 because it's a very, very good game. But uh, it just couldn't... I couldn't put it on there um, because it just... Because just of reasons. I just couldn't. Reasons. And we're not, they're on all mentions, so it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, and then lastly, Xenoblade Chronicles um, Definitive Edition for Switch is an amazing uh, RPG. I'm not a huge RPG guy. <clears throat> Neither of us are. Um but Xenoblade Chronicles is a really fun game with amazing music and um, a huge living and breathing world that I enjoy. So that's it. That's my honorable mentions. Oh, and if you're looking at those games, that not that, that ten, uh, what would be the most honorable of those mentions? Oh, let's 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 make it your top fifty-one games. <laughs> I'm glad you're asking for one and not for me to rank the 10 because oh, I'd have a breakdown, I think, if I had to do that. Yeah. Um, what was the hardest to leave out? Oh, jeez. Oh, look, I'll just say that the the ones that were in the... the sorry, the, the two major ones that were in the 50 that I kicked was um, Arkham Asylum and Luigi's Mansion. And uh, probably Arkham Asylum was the hardest one to kick. Um because that is a very, very good game that I love. I even did the Platinum Trophy on it last last year. Game changer. Um, and I, I love that game. Um, I guess there's just games in the series that I value more. Um, and then for for other... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just for the games that came in over it, they just had a slightly bigger impact on me for reasons that I'll explain when I get to them. But I can't even really remember what <laughs> which ones it was that, that mm. overtook it. But Batman Arkham Asylum is definitely number 51. If I had to have a number 51, yeah. There you That's have a it, great folks. Game. Will's top 51. And that was you. Batman Arkham Asylum was um, uh, like, that was a recommendation from you to me. So mm. that was a um, series that I got into through you. One of many uh, back in back in those days. When that come out? 2009. 2009. Um, yeah, no. Amazing game. Yep. I still love the comic comic style the game has the outline of the and, characters yeah, and things like yeah. i obviously the 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 games after a a grade and they're more have a higher level of realism but there's something about this sort of comic art style of asylum that i really like mm. um and then that reflects in the menus a lot of literal comic book um drawn characters in the menus and things that i like but yeah yeah so honorable mentions how good so are you ready At, couldn't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready now? Yeah, I feel ready. I feel ready. Wait, should I just... Maybe we'll just take five so I can just make any last-minute changes. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, I'm, uh, denied. I'm, I'm well and truly ready to say my top 50 games. All right. Um, first edition, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Sorry, Everybody, we can, we can it's not happening little, again. We can add in little sound bites. Uh, over the years as we update our lists. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amendment. Oh, yeah. AI. Yeah. yeah. Things. <laughs> All right, Will. I've got a, I've got a phone call. <laughs> Do you want to take we're, it? We're going to have to wait. 
All right. So without further ado, Will, game yep. number 50. It's on. All right. Number 50 on my list is Destiny, made by made by Bungie. Ooh. Um, I think just as a generally as yeah as a Halo fan growing up, Destiny just made made sense. Um, it was one of the first games, I think, when I got my Xbox One that looked really intriguing, had that sort of space vibe um, to it. But I think the the reason I added it into my list is because yeah, even though Destiny was a very, it's a very like multiplayer focused game, it was something that I played by myself. And I, I never really had like a crew to play with. So it almost felt like my own little like discovery at the time. Um, which, yeah, which sounds kind of sad because I'm sort of playing it by myself. <laughs> but, but there's something about it where it's like I just made these good memories with a game I really liked for a fair chunk of time there. Um, just playing Destiny. Um, and I really liked it. It's great. Yeah, it's a great shooter. And I played all the expansions and, and everything. I great do game. recall you have put a lot of time into this game. So it does make sense. Yeah, and I um, Destiny Two is great too, but I, I I have a real like good connection with Destiny, uh, the original. Um, just felt like a a really good complete package back then, and now Destiny Destiny Two is great, obviously, but it's a free to play game now. It feels a lot more like shoehorned in with, um, I don't know, trying to take your money rather than being very adventurous and uh, creative in a story like Destiny One was for sure. It's just become a beast. Yeah, like the allure of all the different planets and races in Destiny One was very um, super super exciting to to play through. Yeah, very visually uh, impactful. Again, yeah. So number forty nine. <laughs> you gonna say so before every say? <laughs> all right then. So <laughs> forty nine. We've got Crash Bandicoot for oh baby the PlayStation One, which is uh. Just up on on the shelf here, in the in the studio, the old the gold case up there. Um, yeah, Crash One is a. I love Crash One. I, obviously, I was a huge Nintendo fan growing up, and I don't think that's any surprise to to anybody that knows me. Um, but my mum's cousin had a PlayStation One, and we used to go around there and play, um, use the PlayStation, and the as it, that was the only real link I ever had to PlayStation until my teenage years or later. Um, where I ended up borrowing a PS3 from a, a guy I worked at Subway with um, to try The Last of Us, and that didn't work. <laughs> I didn't even, I never even finished it. But um, yeah, she had Crash Bandicoot. So every time I'd go there, I'd play Crash, and I'd probably only get through the first two or three levels because the save would reset every time we'd go and and whatever. So I, I don't know. I just remember spending so much time on the first island world map when <laughs> I was growing up, and I just loved that game. Like it always stayed with me. And then yeah, obviously when I got my PS4 later on. Yeah, the insane trilogy was not uh, was pretty recently released, so that made that was the obvious choice to buy uh, as my first game. But yeah, and I've and I played two and three on there. But I yeah, something about the first Crash that I just love. Um, I don't know, I love I, I like how basic it is and like how like blocky everything looks. And there's something about the the world map with the the Wumper Islands that's just always been my favorite compared to the other two. So yeah, just a big fan of Crash One. And. Uh... I think it's uh, just it's an overall quite warming basic experience, isn't it? Yeah, for that reason, it's not. It doesn't uh, require much thought or even uh, muscle memory to pick back up. Yeah, and it's hard as shit as well. Oh, when yeah. I completed it, like when I got this PS One copy and I played it, oh my god, it was a nightmare. Did you think it was harder than the insane version? Oh yeah, 
Really? Well and truly. I found it the other way around. The insane the insane trilogy version was a walk in the park. This version <laughs> absolutely killed me. Yeah, absolutely right. killed me. <laughs> well, remember when we played it when we were at my place, is it? Oh, I remember. And you uh we had a great video of our uh mate Hutto trying to um trying to play that. Yeah. He couldn't get past the first block jump on the second level. <laughs> uh and it was um I think out of mercy you deleted the video because <laughs> yeah, it would have been so. it would have ruined yeah. any future career ambitions he had. Oh uh, yeah, if that if that had got online, it would have been on. Mm. It'd be top of the bloody internet world right now. Mm. Yeah. Um yeah. Number forty eight. Number forty eight is Super Mario three D World, uh for the Nintendo Wii U. So just a pure purely fun game. Uh in every way. I love the visuals, love the music. It's very easy to pick up and play, especially with friends. Like it's a, it was the first multiplayer 3D Mario game. So it's very fun and chaotic to play. Um, and I think generally during the 3DS and Wii U era, you know, uh, this game sort of came out in, in what led to be like the darkest era of Nintendo to be a Nintendo fan for sure. So this was definitely one of the shining lights of that time. Um, and then, yeah, like now it's come to Switch and it's sort of realized of how great the game is um, with the improvements they've made on Switch version as well. But as I've got on the deck, the Wii U version's my um, my favorite um, just because, yeah, I-, I love the Wii U and I remember playing this game a lot um, back in 2014 or 15 and whatever it was. Um, I think part of my... part of my I always loved Nintendo, obviously, in different patches of my life, but the, the Wii U and 3DS era sort of started a real resurgence for me to love Nintendo again. I think this game was sort of one of the early ones that I really enjoyed. And looking at the still on the screen, is that a a very bright and colourful looking looking map too, which is which is quite nice. The level, yeah, that's the first level. So, is this a side scrolling three D platform? Sorry, yeah, it, it's kind of like a yeah three D two D hybrid. It's mm. like if you can see on the picture when you go to the right, it 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 goes sort of deeper. So you can move deeper. So you yeah. can move every direction, but it plays a lot like a two D game where you got to hit the flagpole on levels mm-hmm. um yeah you kind of have to just play it to understand it but yeah it, it is a 3d game in a 3d space like mario has all these 3d moves from 64 and whatnot but it's very like linear in its design but that's kind of that kind of lends to it in a way because it's a uh, very tight uh it's a very tight package very good level design and a shitload of levels too there's like five or six special worlds after the eight main worlds like it's the game's just huge mm-hmm. yeah and i 100 percented it back in the day on Wii U, which was like, yeah, I'm not even sure how many hours it would have been. It would have been 150 plus hours. Like, I played <laughs> that game to full completion back then. So, yeah, well. great game. Number 47. 47, we've got Halo Reach for the Xbox 360. Um, I think generally, like, Reach is, Reach is loved by everyone. Like, I think people look back on it quite fondly now, but at the time, it was um, definitely not as loved as like three was. Well, what's one of the all-time highest-rated probably spin-off games? Yeah, yeah, and it was, uh, yeah. I loved the campaign and and whatnot, and and some of the characters in the game. But I I remember it specifically for its multiplayer. Um, I played, spent so much time playing Reach with some of my best friends um, back in the day, and the the leap in scope I had from Halo Three was huge adding sprinting and a few different mechanics kind of did add mechanics that made it a bit more cod like but not not all the way it still had a halo halo was still ingrained into its dna i guess um but halo reaches just a super 
fun tight hailer game um that still feels good today if i play a game of multiplayer on the master chief collection for for xbox one it still feels um almost like it could have come out tomorrow um except for obviously the visuals were dated but at the time the visuals were like top notch um for back then so no great game and a super grueling sad uh final final mission in that game um, in the campaign yeah number 46 46 is like sort of cheating, but I had to put it in. It's sort of a collection of games. So it's the Call of Duty Zombies game <laughs> as, a, as a whole because Call of Duty Zombies goes across many Call of Duty games, but it's a whole intertwined story um, and set of maps and different things in game mode that, that all matches up with each other and they've sort of brought it along as we go. So there's not... I wouldn't say... Yeah, I mean, I, I, if you can see on the deck, I highlighted Black Ops 2 as the biggest case on the design because that was the one where I have the, my favorite maps and probably spent the most time playing Zombies. So I highlighted that, but I, I wanted to reference that I played it across all of these four games. So COD 5, uh, World of War, Black Ops, Black Ops 2, and, and Black Ops 3. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to put it in because I've played so much in my life. I've never been a COD guy. Like I've never really played... Call of Duty multiplayer online for more than a week, even back in the day. I, I mean, I played some COD 5 back in the day and some some Black Ops or Black Ops 2, but it never lasted. Like, I'd always go back to Halo or, or something else. So it was never my thing. But but uh, Zombies was 100% my jam. Um, and uh, our good friend Joel and I, that was sort of our number one game we always played together. We played Zombies all the time. Um on some of the yeah some of those great maps like uh, Kino and and Origins and uh, I really like there's a map called Buried on Black Ops Two that's sort of an underwater uh, underground uh, western town which is a really cool one um, but yeah Zombies is a lot of fun and I I'm always intrigued when they make new zombies in the new COD games um, just in case I want to dip my toes back in I guess yeah number forty five. Number 45 is an apps, an all-timer, Wii Sports uh, for the Nintendo Wii. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a sucker for a good party game, um, and I love it when it includes funny motion controls uh, as well. <laughs> the I'm original. A, yeah, well, well, yeah, I, I, I put the original there because I think those games are just iconic, and I, and I definitely have spent so much more of my life playing the original Wii Sports. Um, particularly, I love baseball in Wii Sports. I always... The, the look of them is in the outfield catching the ball and they're like dead man <laughs> face always cracked me up. With a nod? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so the nostalgia for this game is very high, like if I ever bring it out to play with people, to play with friends. Um, and yeah, of course, Wii Sports Resort is a magnificent follow-up with some great games, including um, the three-point basketball contest and, and archery and, and frisbee and things like that. But Wii Sports is a yeah an all-timer that... Yeah, I don't think I'll ever get sick of playing from time to time. I'll yeah. just always enjoy it. And which is your favorite sport? Yeah, baseball. Is it the baseball? Sure, yeah. Baseball's great. Obviously, bowling's good. Um, boxing is actually really underrated, I think, on Wii Sports. And then what are the other two? Golf. Um, yeah, golf and tennis. Obviously, tennis is probably the, the most well-known one, or, or that and bowling. Um, golf, I've never, I never really played the golf that much, um, but I appreciate it for what it is. But yeah, baseball is definitely my, my favorite. It's very fun. Yeah. Number 44. 
So number 44, we have uh, Metroid Dread. So this is the newest game, newest release game so far. Uh, Metroid, I'm going to say it right now, and I wrote this on, on the deck. Metroid is, in my opinion, the most underrated video game franchise in all, all of gaming. Uh, and Metroid Dread is just such a epic, <laughs> such an epic ride from start to finish. Um, the visuals are so, so outstanding for the Switch and um, the combat is so satisfying the the parry system and the just the movement of samus is just so free flowing and um and fun especially like the more upgrades you get through the game like you just get so powerful and um samus just looks so badass in metro dread i think yeah this game was uh well actually when this game got announced at a3 and it was a huge shocker because they hadn't released a new metro like game since fusion in 17 years or whatever it was um, it was shocked, but I'd never really played that much Metroid ever before that announcement, and the the, the announcement kind of got me into Metroid. Um, and you don't pairing, say that you're into Metroid. Yeah, yeah. Pairing it with the Nintendo Switch OLED model at launch was uh, very exciting because I was very keen for a Switch upgrade too. And then, uh, yeah, it's just a gold. They just stru- struck gold with this game for Metroid's future. Nintendo at the time, so very happy. Very must play for Switch fans for sure. Would you classify? Samus as a superhero? Uh, nah. She's a bounty hunter. Is she? Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, that's the whole point. She gets put on missions. And then the, I guess the Metroid stuff's just kind of intertwined with the fact that she's been be- given this bounty and it just sort of plays out. But yeah, she's a bounty hunter by trade in the outer rim of space. Oh. Yeah. The plot thickens. Yeah. Every time I hear about it. Yeah, that's... I'm telling you, it's the most underrated series ever. It seriously, seriously is. <laughs> Number 43. Over here. 43. Mario Kart 64. The uh, the classic Mario Kart. And this is this entry is definitely built purely off uh, childhood nostalgia because, uh, yeah, I'm not an idiot. The game doesn't hasn't really held up that well. Uh, like um, we played it recently not at all well and uh it, it hasn't played up that great and there's obviously better market options today to play but uh there's something about it it just has this distinct charm of the 90s to me i think it's like the the music is very distinctive of that era and i also love that the 3d models in the game are very uh, like yeah they scream of nintendo's first foray in the 3d space it, it feels like a it almost like it looks like a tech demo mm. so there's something about it where it's like it feels very natural feeling or something like this is the best they could do at the time um yeah it's sort of low on content as well the game um but the racing in the battle mode at the time like growing up that's all we ever needed it's like i needed anything more we just raced all the time we the battle mode was the the big thing growing up like so many people would attest to that um and yeah i just love that game um always always come back to play it i'll I'll never get rid of my copy of it because it's just uh it's a great, uh, it's yeah, it's a great part of Nintendo's history, really. Mario Kart sixty four. Um, yeah, I never figured out how to drift though. I still haven't. <laughs> well, it is iconic, uh, and I think the it was probably for me the first real party game. I remember mm. when I used to you know get together with cousins that had the Nintendo. This was the game that everyone went to. There were some yeah. people that had Mario Party, but I still that was such a rare thing. That was a true party game, obviously. But this is the first. Yeah, everybody get together and have a race or you know 
some verses. Mm. It was, uh, yeah, and it was always something that yeah we looked forward to playing. Even if, like you said, <laughs> right now it's uh, if if Mario Tennis has aged like a fine wine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to say that uh, Mario sixty four was uh, corked about twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is gone sour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's vinegar, actually. It's uh, there's no there's no denying its uh, lack of quality now. Yeah. But there's something about playing it that still feels very fun now, um, and and it, the fact that it's um, technically poor, I think, is part of the fun. Um, it's it's hard to play in yeah. a way. So oh, we yeah. owe a lot to it. Yeah. So love that game. Number forty two. Number forty two is. Uh, Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo. Uh, I'm a big sucker for 2D platformers. So I think Donkey Kong Country generally serves, uh, always serve that itch just right. Especially, uh, I never played it till, I didn't play it till later on. Like I, I tried it growing up, but I never had a copy of it or access to it till, till later. I actually had Donkey Kong Land for the Game Boy uh, growing up and that was sort of my exposure to the ape. Uh, before you know things like Super Smash Brothers or uh, Donkey Kong sixty four, which is uh my arch nemesis in gaming, uh, and then yeah, I tried this later in life, and I I sort of knew I would like it. It seemed like the kind of thing I would enjoy, and I automatically loved it. Um, and yeah, then it has there are newer versions of Donkey Kong Country, so like Returns and Tropical Freeze, and even the the sequels to this game. But there's just something about the first game which is um. Yeah, I can't really put my finger on it. I feel like it's almost the same as Crash Bandicoot where I love... I'm very nostalgic for the the world map, the, the sort of like display of everything in the game. The the music especially in this game is very um, nostalgic, even though I didn't play it till later in life. Um, Aquatic Ambience is one of the most famous music tracks of all time. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just a great... It's a great game. I, I wish they would do more with Donkey Kong. Uh, and Don Kong Country in general now, but uh, I always have this to play. It also doubles as a bit of nightmare fuel for me. It's, it, it just has something weird. about it that's quite creepy. Yeah, it, it does look weird. They almost look like um, I don't know. They look like weird uh, animatronics or some crap like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm into it. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Number forty-one. Number 41, we've got uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 for uh, for the N64, which is where I played it. And realistically, I think you could probably, like, yeah, it would be cheating, but in a way you could probably bundle almost every Tony Hawk game I've ever played in this because they're all so similar. Um, I think Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 is where my brother and I got our start with the series. Um, and, yeah, there's, it's more than just the skating aspect. Obviously, the skating is very fun and arcadey and, um, and whatever, but... I love. Uh, I feel like it almost ins- helped inspire my musical tastes going forward as well. Like it's got things like um, "Gorilla Radio" by Rage Against Machines, like the, probably the most famous song from this game. When you know you hear things like that growing up, I and mean, we were so young, and I feel like that's sort of the led you to you know my music taste now. And um, yeah, it's just they just nailed nailed those games. Like these early games, are just pure fun. Like they never <laughs> they're never not fun. Um, and yeah, my brother and I used to play and still play now actually. Uh, the multiplayer mode horse on on Tony Hawk, uh, where you sort of go for the highest score each on separate runs, and the the loser gets the letter, and the first one to get called horse loses or whatever. Um, yeah, love Tony Hawk. 
but yeah, Pro Skater 2, I guess, would be my favorite. Well, and just to add very quickly, I think these extreme sport sort of games, they're quite relaxing if you think yep. of even like, it's obviously a whole another level of unrealistic, but you know, the burnout games, for example, and the music that's in those games, mm. it's a similar sort of thing, hand yeah. in hand with the actual real world musical um, yeah, soundtracks. Yep. And uh, yeah, they're just fun because the music, especially if you're just tuning out and doing this thing that requires not much thought, you know, as in terms of story or characters, it's just, you literally just, mm. it's just gameplay, pure gameplay. Yeah. The, the music can influence you a lot and has to set the scene a lot. So yeah, this is one of those examples. Yeah. Well, there was a Tony Hawk's game later on where on the original Xbox, because we used to load all of our CDs into the Xbox hard drive and then play the the music while we're playing the games. And, the, and there was a Tony Hawk game where you could play music from your collection on the Xbox and it would sound like it's coming from all the speakers of the skate park in the game. And I remember we used to have like Nirvana and things going while we played Tony Hawk. And then, yeah, you can see how the, the music influence just went on as we um, play the games, you know, so fun. That's actually a genius detail. Detail. Yeah, I think it was Project 8, Tony Hawk's Project 8. Yeah, something like that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> all right. Number 40. Number 40, we have Portal 2 oh. for the Xbox 360. And uh, yeah, I guess not many games can boast that they have not only a great single-player mode, but this one also has one of the best co-op experiences uh, in gaming ever, which uh, we did together. Down at Bannockburn. You and I, down at Bannockburn in the in the countryside. I yeah, still have those memories of trying to finish the game and you were, you were waiting to get a bus home. Yeah. And uh, we had to absolutely bust our balls to finish the final five to ten levels and really put our <laughs> screw our heads on to think how to actually complete all this uh, crazy you know, challenges and whatever, problem solving. And we ended up just completing them by fluking where we put the portals and just flying around in the midair and then we bumped into each other and landed on the platform. We're like, yeah. hey, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, nah, portals Portal's great. Um, it probably speaks to, yeah, it, the fact that it's only number 40 should speak to um, how much I value all the games coming forward after this because Portal 2 is such a good game. The single-player campaign is so good. The story's great. The characters um, like Wheatley and um, GLaDOS are so funny and well-written. Cave Johnson. Um, yeah, Cave Johnson. And then, yeah, the, the co-op experience is such a good experience. I just really get confused on the silence of this uh, about this series from Valve ever ever since. I just can't believe they haven't made more. It is strange. It is a very unique puzzle series. Uh, very accessible, though. And, yeah, like you said, the, the actual... The story that's added to this game compared to the first game is just a really neat little surprise. Yeah, for sure. Number 39, Heath Hocking. <laughs> Heath Hocking. I bet Heath Hocking played Mario Tennis on the N64. Hello. Back in the day. Um, <clears throat> I guess, yeah, Mario Tennis, we, we've, we're still playing this now weekly almost. Yeah. Uh, you, you and I and, and a bunch of friends. And I've been playing this game since... Yeah, almost since I ever started playing games, I've I've had Mario Tennis in my life, and generally, I guess when I play sports games, like now if I play FIFA or or whatever, I always like to be the sort of like coach or the or the CEO and try to bring the team up from the bottom to championships and all these different things. But Mario Tennis, it doesn't even need that. There's no functionality in this for any sort of uh, 
it's anything, any story, mm. really. It's just playing tennis, and that's it. And it's just such a good, fun game. It just holds up so well. It still looks relatively good, really. Especially, it looks better than Mario Kart 64. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Um, and yeah, just the gameplay is so... I don't know. It's so casual, so simplified tennis. That that's what makes it so fun. It's just you don't have to think about it. You just you just smack it back and forth and um two the, buttons and a stick. Yeah, and the the fun just sort of happens naturally every time. It's just so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it does. It just handles really well still. The actual ball mechanics are surprisingly good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's that's I always think of Mario Tennis. No, I used to always think, oh yeah, surely uh, sorry, Mario Tennis. I always think of uh Wii Sports Tennis. I yeah. always I always thought, oh yeah, surely that'll be better than Mario Tennis. Whole another story. Yeah. There's a whole <laughs> whole other story of actual te- you know, technicality you can yeah. play with. So yeah. it's quite fun. And i yeah, and you know, I've played Top Spin and that was great, but I'd rather play Mario Tennis. Mm. Honestly. <laughs> I would. Yeah. Number thirty eight. Number 38, we've got Resident Evil 2 uh, Remake for Xbox One, which is where I played it, but whatever it's on. Um, so yeah, Resident Evil 2. One day, I was browsing the Microsoft Store on my Xbox One S back in the, back in the whenever the, what year that was. 18. Um, which is probably one of the worst things you could spend an afternoon doing, really, is browsing the Microsoft Store on an Xbox. Yep. It's just awful. <laughs> um, but I was. And I saw a demo available for an upcoming remake of a Resident Evil game. Um, and I'd never played Resident Evil in my life. I'd never even attempted to try one. I think I think I maybe tried, like, back on Steam way before then, I got Resident Evil 5 through some sort of bundle I bought. And I remember trying that for, like, 10 minutes. And I was like, what is this? And, and, and I mean, we know how we feel about Resident Evil 5. And we still, we still think that now. <laughs> um, but I... Some for some reason I saw this demo and I just thought I'm gonna just try it. I, I don't know. It's like a it says it's like a half an hour demo or something. I'm just gonna do it and just see if I like it. And I am so glad that I took that. I don't know if I'd call it risk, but it, like I took the step to play that demo because Resident Evil's uh, all of a sudden become one of my favorite franchises in gaming. And uh, it's all because of Resident Evil 2 Remake, which is a great game that's chilling to the bone. And uh, just ver- handles very well with a really good story and characters, and um, yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget the the stomping in the distance of Mister X. Mm, and it's one of those it nails the, one of the key elements of any survival horror. And that's yep. to make you feel trapped. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I gave this game to you to borrow because I was like, you need to play mm. this Resident Evil game, and uh, I, was, I just I forced it on you. And yeah. now, yeah, we both love Resident Evil, so there you go. And just to, t- to touch on one of the key moments in the game when Mr. X reveals himself, uh, mm. when he when he first, I saw a footage uh, recently and he sort of put his, uh, the way he comes into the game, he's literally walking up to a wreckage of a helicopter. Yeah. He pushes it out of the way. So good. And then just starts walking towards it, all in game. <laughs> no he, context he, at no all. No context. And yeah. you think this is just going to be a quick runaway. Yeah. And he's with you for the next like 10 hours. Yeah. You just start spraying bullets at him. Yeah. that have no effect and then all your bullets that you resourced are gone hopefully you knock his top hat off yeah get an achievement <laughs> bing yeah <laughs> um, and uh, yeah then you're off to the races great game it's a great game number 37 Connor Menadju <laughs> Menadju he's a football player by the way for anyone that doesn't know Nick Martin um, Shovel Knight 
is number 37. Shovel Knight. Uh, I give Shovel Knight credit, a lot of credit, for being the first game in 2017 that was actually able to halt my uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild playing. I was playing Breath of the Wild religiously when the Nintendo Switch launched. And the first game that I started playing instead was uh, Shovel Knight because it came out on Switch in what's known as Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, which is a collection of all the future expansions they brought to the game. They're all free. They weren't out at the time, but there's four different full-length new campaigns that they just added. So it's basically like five, four or five games in the game. Um, and yeah, Shovel Knight's just great. I love the the music and the, the gameplay. is just so good. But I think generally... I, I knew I had an interest at the time. This is 2017. I had an interest in retro games uh, or retro style games and collecting retro games in general, but I wasn't really doing it. And it wasn't until I played Shovel Knight that that interest really was set in stone for me. I think sho- playing Shovel Knight really like opened my eyes to that kind of visual and a visual style of a game and like the way it played. I just really liked it. And then ever since, I've played lots of retro games and collected lots of things from the past. And yeah, definitely old to Shovel Knight for, for all that. Yeah, there's something about Shovel Knight. I love it. Just seeing him in that picture, just sitting by the campfire sleeping just makes me happy. Nice little sprites. Yeah, very good. Very good. Shovel Knight's kind of like the the original Kickstarter game, you know? the the the, the One of the key indie games uh, ever to really start that revolution. Represents the little guy. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll yeah I'll always play that again. I always come back to Shovel Knight. They're they're making a new game. That company called um, Mino the Hollower. Mino the Hollower. That looks really good, and I'm hundred percent playing. And it's like a, it's its whole style and presentation and and gameplay is based on like the Game Boy Zelda games, and it looks just so good. Yeah. Number thirty six. Thirty six. We've got Cuphead, uh, for played on Xbox One back in the day. It feels like one of the most definitive uh, works of art in the game's space ever to me. Just that cl- the animation's so clean cut um, and experiencing it, experiencing it is really is awe-inspiring to, uh, to play. Straight it's, out of the a 1920s uh, ca- uh, silent cartoon for anyone who, yeah. who um, isn't sure on the visual. Think yeah. of 1920s Mickey Mouse with really creepy character animations back and forth, rhythmic, mm. like metronomic sort of. Yeah. Yeah, and matching that with the um, original soundtrack in the game that's out of the time is just such a good, such a satisfying combination. Um, and then the game's excruciatingly hard, and you'd never expect it. And it's one of the hardest games that, that you, there is. It's crazy um, difficult. And yeah, I played this. Um, I played this right at release back in 2018 uh, with my brother. Cause we played a co-op, and uh, yeah, I remember some of the boss fights we did on that were. God, they would have taken us over 50 goes. And I remember one particular boss fight we beat in the, the high five that I gave, Tom and I gave each other that day. That's still, to this day, the most powerful high five I think I'll ever have in my <laughs> life. It actually sent a, a force of energy through the whole of uh, the Gold Coast. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I broke my back. <laughs> I felt yeah. it down here. Yeah. Don't worry about the Gold Coast. Yeah. yeah. There's a little earthquake on the Richter scale. Oh yeah. After that, but no, great, great game, Cuphead. And did you have nightmares from this game? From Cuphead. Look at that. Um, ter- <laughs> no, it's terrifying. Maybe maybe from its difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> I just I find the animation amazing and just 
terrifying at the same time. It's very, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. When you play it, I don't know, it's very charming. It's very whimsical. So it, 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 there's no reason for you to feel that way. But uh, yeah, there's something about it. It's just, it's so pleasant to, for something that's so hard, it, it makes itself so pleasant to play because of its presentation. When in reality, it's like just the toughest game that you would probably hate otherwise. Yeah. Number 35, Troy Makepeace. Peter Parker, even. Oh, number 35. So we've got Marvel's Spider-Man for PS4, which is one of the pillars of PlayStation uh, in my eyes. And one of the reasons that I decided to buy my first ever PlayStation in uh, 2017, one of the reasons. Um, yeah, it's a great game. I love the, the the story arc is actually quite gripping uh, in that game with with Peter couple uh, coupled alongside the awesome gameplay, and then obviously the web the web slinging through New York is uh, you actually have to play it, like experience it to believe how fun it is. Mm. It's uh, I don't know how they made something feel so realistic in the controller. It's crazy. And even just looking at that suit as well, I think we we always we never acknowledge how damn good the Spidey suit is. And this is the one that's the PS4 edition. And yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the just the the PlayStation Four. Yeah, the unique or the original one they made for that game, but we just never really quite talk about just how good the Spider-Man suit is. The original too, mm. it just looks so cool. Ah, uh, yeah, it's definitely the most iconic suit mm. by a mile. Like it's it's has it's such a unique um it's, it's such a unique makeup. Even things like obviously Superman's S or or Batman's um emblem uh don't really have anything on a Spidey suit. Mm. They don't. That spandex. We all want to wear it. We all want to be in it. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I have, I've not been in it. I've been in a Superman suit before. Oh. But not a Spider-Man suit. There is a funny photo of my brother and I from real little where he's wearing um, a Spider-Man suit, I think, and I'm wearing Superman. Or he's, he might even be wearing Batman or something. I can't remember. I had a bat suit growing up. Yeah. Can confirm. Kind of cool. Yeah. I had a Superman suit, so... Yeah, that sucks. I'm pretty lame, I know. Yeah. Yeah. But no, great game. I felt a really strong desire in this game for it to work out with Peter and MJ for some reason. It just really had me going. You did. I really wanted it to it's Peter, called, to to get MJ. It's called Vicarious Living. Because <laughs> there's no hiding what you feel for MJ in this game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. It was like the main thing I wanted, the main outcome I wanted in the whole game. I was like, come on. Come on, Peter. Otherwise, Mr. Negative. <laughs> get out of here, Miles. Uh, <laughs> yes. Number 34. Number 34 is a little indie called Hollow Knight, which is uh, a, an amazing 2D platform. What I think about this game is like, don't you hate it when people recommend you a new game, right? But apparently it gets good after the first few hours. Uh, yeah. Or, or a show or, or whatever. Well, Hollow Knight is kind of a culprit for that uh, in a way, but it's so good. I'm proud to tell that to people that <laughs> it's a great, you should play it, but just give it a couple of hours to really kick off, <laughs> which I hate saying out loud, but this game is worth it. And what's the trigger? What What's the, uh, what happens after a couple of hours to really get the momentum going? Uh, I think the main thing is getting the uh, wall jump ability, 
really opens up the the movement of the game because the for the first like few hours you have to climb your way everywhere on the wall and uh eventually you unlock a wall jump where so you can just jump up the wall and and jump around and really start to unlock a lot of new spaces and then you sort of start to unlock a lot of the maps and different things and then all of a sudden the game's just breaks wide open and that first couple of hours uh just understanding what to even do or where to go is a real slog because you move very slowly yeah um but nonetheless i love the game i love i love the the presentation of it and the music's so like uh this is like such an atmospheric music and game uh experience i remember it took me 40 hours to finish this game and that's not even anywhere near 100 percent. it's just such a big it's just such a big undertaking this game um and i beat it on the Shinkansen between Osaka and Tokyo, so the bullet train. And uh, I remember I was uncomfortably loud while fighting the final <laughs> boss because it's so hard on the train and had my headphones in and uh, my wife had to tell me to shut up because a bunch of Japanese people on the train were staring at me because I was rolling up half the carriage trying, <laughs> trying to finish Hollow Knight. <laughs> and so and the theme of the, the art, is it, or even just the... Uh what the world's meant to be. Is it something to do with silk? Um, Straight out say no, it's okay. There's a Well, it is. It hmm. is. I, I don't know. I can't tell you the exact reasoning though, but it is. I mean, the follow-up game's called Hollow Knight Silk Song Yeah, that's coming out. But um, it has that kind of like touch to it, but they're all sort of like bugs. It's a very... Oh, it's, it's, a very all under, it's all like underground and things. Yeah, okay. it's very nightmarish. There's kind some nightmare fuel in the game. 100%. Kind of looking art style, yeah. Yeah, there's some pretty intimidating um, areas and bosses. It ha- the bosses have a real like Dark Souls feel to them. They're it's very hard and completely unrelated to Shovel Knight, right? Go- yeah, completely unrelated. Nothing to do with it. Yeah. And uh, this game gets, I feel like, it gets an added bonus for being Australian made by only three people in Brisbane, called at a place called Team Cherry. Um, so that gets bonus points. For being an Australian game by only a few. And it's one of the biggest games I've ever played. And it's all hand drawn art and it's just three was three guys in Brisbane. Yeah. So amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well done. Yep. Okay. Camden Macintosh. <laughs> number thirty three. Number thirty three, we've got Metroid Prime. Great first person shooter. Metroid Prime. You know the one? Oh, yeah. I actually took me a, multiple attempts to play Metroid Prime. Uh, <laughs> I, I originally tried it on Wii because I, I, had, I have the Wii uh, Metroid Prime trilogy on my Wii U. And then I tried it on my GameCube disc um, and I was into it, but my GameCube disc kept um, freezing. So I didn't. So like originally I I played it, but I didn't stick with it. And then I tried to play it, and it didn't work. Um, and then uh, after you know Dread came out, and I'd played a few Metroid games here and there, I thought I'm just doing it. I'm playing Metroid Prime. Um, uh, that was actually this year, early this year. I was like, I'm playing Metroid Prime, and I went back to the um, w- the trilogy version on my Wii U, and uh, yeah, little did I know I would absolutely love it. Um, it's one of the it's just yeah it's one of the most atmospheric games I've ever played I, I don't know how to explain it it's just so 
like you just get so uh, stuck into the game when you play it and, and when you start to unlock areas and you sort of backtrack between and you sort of know where you're going it's like a it's like you know everything on the back on the back of your hand all of a sudden it's like a um it's, like, it's just like you're learning some sort of uh text i don't know it's just yeah it's so satisfying um and then yeah as soon as i finished it the nintendo switch remaster version got announced this is like three days after i beat the game finally <laughs> Uh, and it got announced and Shadow Drop released the same day. So, like, three days after I beat it, the brand new good best version came out. Um, so, I sort of played it into existence. And it's not often that you play a game uh, twice uh, and the second time you play it, you love it, like, double the amount the first time. Because I played, I bought Remastered and I played it only a couple of months ago now. And uh, I... Yeah, I liked the game like 10 times more than I did the first time and I just absolutely smashed it out. Like I couldn't stop playing it for like 10 hours straight. So, yeah, amazing game, uh, Metroid Prime. Definitely worth it. I, I've got to play Prime 2 and 3. still haven't played those. So maybe that'll make the second edition of the 50. <laughs> <laughs> Number 32. Number 32 is a, an old classic called Mario Party 2. For the N64, which again we play uh, on the on the reg, uh, it's usually the Mario Party. Uh, sorry, it's usually the Mario Tennis set warm up into Mario Party Two, twenty turns, back to Mario Tennis uh, set to finish. And, and we're in training to get up to fifty turns at some point. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to start on a Sunday morning at about eight a.m. And take a good two-hour break in the middle, and not let the connection go off. <laughs> oh, we're praying. For, we're praying for the next pandemic. Don't worry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I love. I love Mario Party. I always have. Nothing quite matches the emotion of a crazy game of Mario Party uh, with friends. Like the and the, I guess the crazy levels of the game can get turned up to a chaotic levels uh, very Backs- quickly. With, backstabbery. Yeah, yeah. Backstabbery. Um, yeah. T- uh, Turn, turning on your friends who you made alliances with, chance time, landing on the chance time, and that completely spins up the whole game um, in all sorts of ways. And yeah, I love Mario Party 2. It's just something about it, the like charm of it, those original games, um, and the great boards in Mario Party 2 and a great selection of mini games. Although we played it recently and we kind of hated it all. <laughs> we are playing it the other <laughs> night and every mini game came out. We were just like, oh my God. Not this one. <laughs> but that's, I swear, I, I love Mario Party 2. And I actually didn't have that much access to Mario Party 2 growing up. I, I mainly played Mario Party 4 at my cousin's house on their GameCube, which I love. I love Mario Party 4 as well. But there's yeah, something about Mario Party 2 that's just always been my go-to if someone says, what's your favorite? And then now that I've, played it so much and had more access to it i know it's my uh, my favorite one so um yeah and worth mentioning Love probably it. the best aspects of mario party superstars being the the modern ver- the modern modern combination of a few of them <laughs> yeah i don't know what what came Mo- out of my head motion motion <laughs> um the combination yeah that the mario party superstars sort of combines a few of them and yep. it seems to me uh that the best traits of that game or elements of that game come from mario party 2 Yes, yes, they do. Number 31. Number 31 is The Last of Us for PlayStation 4. Hey, we're not putting TV shows in here, Will. I said for PlayStation 4. You watched it on your PlayStation? Not for Binge or uh, HBO. Oh, you're talking about the spin-off game. I'm talking about the game, the, the... 
the game based on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you now. Yeah. Last of Us, um, and yeah, it probably seems low to you um, or anyone that might hear it, but I guess in similar fashion to Metroid Prime, this game took me a couple of attempts to actually find my footing uh, with it. And not, not, not just the controls for the game, but also my own engagement in the story uh, of the game. Like I, yeah, I bor- as I said earlier, I borrowed uh, a PlayStation 3 from a friend back in the day that I worked with at Subway. And um, I started playing The Last of Us based on his recommendation. And I got up to the part where you're escaping the um, city with Tess and Ellie. And you have to go between, as I've told you the story uh, before, and you have to go between the flashlights. And, I remember seeing and, I remember watching And I was just so bad at it and I couldn't do it. And there was also that bit there where you f- face the first clicker. And I genuinely just could not not get killed. Like I was <laughs> just so bad at it. And I just, the game just never clicked with me. It just didn't. And so, so, I, so I gave it back and I never played it. And then later down the line, um, I finally decided to play it. Um, and I think I'm pretty sure I was the first one of us to do it, like, and my brother and you and me, and I decided to play it. And, um, yeah, I was like, obviously I was dead wrong about, <laughs> about not being into it because the, the dynamic between, you know, the, the main two characters, Joel and Ellie's one of, yeah, one of the best pairings in video game history. Um, and the, yeah, the emotion that the dialogue presented in the game that can, can bring out, uh, of the player, uh, is, uh, a work of art in itself, mm. I think, uh, in that game, and yeah, I, I think generally, generally nothing, uh, nothing about the technical aspects of the game, like in, in terms of pure gameplay, defines itself as very novel. Which is why I think it's, which is why I feel like it's this spot on my fifty makes sense. It's not like it doesn't achieve that much in terms of being a pure game, in ter- except for its story is magnificent, obviously. So I love it. Um, and I think, yeah, the the dedication the team had to those characters and the worlds left a huge mark on the industry that probably will never be matched. But uh, no, great game. Love the game. I was super, super keen for The Last of Us Part 2 when I finished Last of Us 1 and I just ha- had to know the, what would happen next. Like I was obsessed with knowing and I finished this, yeah, only a few weeks before 2 came out. So I was very keen then, yeah. For uh, about five hours of our thoughts on this game and the sequel. Mm. Please head back to episode 10 of the <laughs> yeah. podcast. Is it that 10? 10. Is it really that far? Wow. First, first mega. First mega. God's sake. So long ago. Yeah. We were different people. We were doing it from our own homes. Yep. All isolated. Yeah. <laughs> but we got it done. Yeah. Number 30. Number 30 is Metroid Zero Mission. Uh, for the Game Boy Advance, which is a remake of the original Metroid for the NES and was the start of my uh, Metroid journey. So as I said earlier, when I played Dread, I was I was really keen on it and I decided to go play Metroid, play Metroid game just to do it. And Zero Mission was the first one I bought and I played it on my Wii U on the virtual console. So I played this Game Boy Advance game like on my Wii U tablet, gamepad. And uh, I was absolutely, oh my God, I was absolutely hooked. Like I, I just played this thing nonstop for that week. And it's not even long. You know, it's only like five hours long. But the, it, it's like that whole thing about um, 
you know, qu- uh, quality over quantity, right? Like it's only five hours long, but the five hours that you spend with it is the most tightest game um, to play. Like one of that I've ever played. It's just so such a satisfying game. I love the GBA era visuals of games. Like they just very, really tickles my um, heart cockles. <laughs> tickles some sort of cockles, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, love the game. And that's, uh, yeah. Anyway. So looking at the, the visuals for this game, given it's uh, obviously quite old, pixelated 2D, as you'd expect from a Game Boy game. Mm-hmm. When you go back to play these games normally for the first time, it's pretty hard to get into because, you know, it, it is uh, normally nostalgia gets you by in this sort of uh, scenario where you're playing the old mechanics and everything. Mm-hmm. So what was it that got you hooked straight away? Because looking at it, again, looks like could be a, a cool game to have played back in the day, but looking just, you know, whether it's just uh, a reflection on me, looking at that, I think like, oh, you, you know, I would never touch that now. Um, yeah, what, I get what you mean. But what what was it for you? That- I definitely get what you mean. I think it was the... I think, honestly, I reckon uh, to actually start the game and probably like the first uh, hour, like the first night I played it, I, I obviously enjoyed it, what I played because I kept playing. But I feel like it was fueled off a lot of uh, adrenaline based off how excited I th- and cool I thought Dread looked. Um, and then, obviously, as I said earlier as well, the playing Shovel Knight really opened me up to retro style looking games um and i didn't feel like and i mean i I didn't feel it before but i don't obviously i I don't feel like games from the past that look a lot more ugly than games do now are necessarily lesser than any Mm. game that are new yeah and i just um i just went for it i think and and yeah the controls in that game are very very um fun to to use samus I love the like I love Dread. I love the way Dread plays, but there's something about Samus in uh, in Zero Mission that's just so so satisfying. And then yeah, yeah, you really got to play a Metro game to understand because it's like a it's like a addiction. The it's like a it's like a drug when you get each power up and you just get that little bit of extra spark to the way Samus controls and the moveset and stuff. And you just want the next one. It's just in every game you got to go through that you know, unlocking different things. And there's something about it that's just so satisfying. And then, yeah, in Zero Mission, when you get fully upgraded, oh, it's uh, outstanding. Visual <clears throat> visual and gameplay-based uh, upgrades that, you know, non-passive uh, upgrades to a character are still probably the main driving factor in any game for yeah. what get you through. They're yeah. the best, some of the most enjoyable games are the ones that you know you've got a good reward coming. Yeah, think of the Ratchet and Clank series when you're mm. always upgrading weapons. Uh, yeah, up your arsenal. The third one was like that. Yeah, where you uh, you knew that if you upgraded enough, and this is different. It's not like a, a character, uh, sorry, a story uh, point, but you know if you upgrade enough, it's going to visually change. Mm-hmm. And you know that's pretty cool. Yeah. So those sort of experiences make games uh, far more easy to get into, and it's a shame that it doesn't happen more often. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if that's how you feel, you should try a Metro game. Consider me <laughs> curious. At least Prime. That's the that would be the the best one for you, being a first person epic, you know, large scale adventure. Mm. Yeah. All right. Let's head into the twenties with number twenty nine. Yeah. Number twenty nine is Bioshock Infinite for the Xbox three sixty. And uh I'll just say to start, I love looking at my large statue of the character songbird from the game uh, in in this room which is right behind me now 
because um, it always reminds me of such a, you know, how much of an intriguing, uh, unforgettable spectacle that Bioshock Infinite is um, from start to finish. Such an unforgettable game. Um, I feel like, yeah, and I feel like at face value, you, you see Infinite, it's very action-oriented. Um, it sort of looks like... It doesn't look any... It doesn't look necessarily any different from any major first-person shooter single-player game, but it's the deep storytelling um, and the emotional, heavy, uh, character-driven arcs and the heavy real-world themes that make it just such a stand out from the pack of all those single-player games. Yes, it's a great game, um, and we, yeah, as we've talked about in depth on an episode that wasn't that long ago, I don't think. Number forty-two, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but no, I love Bioshock Infinite. It's probably the longest I ever waited for a game too. I ordered my uh, edition with the Songbird statue over two years before it came out because it kept getting delayed and uh, worth the wait. It was. Yeah. It, was a, it was a very, very fun game and a slightly different take on the Bioshock series that we'd uh, become used to. Yeah. It was, a ni- it, was a, it was a nice change. It probably needed it as much as we love the, the formula of the first two. Oh, it definitely did. I don't think a third game in Rapture would have um, landed as well as this game. Mm. Yeah. Number 28. Number 28 is Minecraft, uh, which for the Nintendo Switch, I guess, but I've played it on a lot of different consoles over the years, starting with PC uh, back in the day. And there's, yeah, certain charm to games that let you just work at your own pace um, in the game while the wo- the whole world is living and breathing around you as well. And Minecraft is so so much more than just a game that's just about building um, building things. Somewhere where you can just go and relax. You can go just listen to the really serene music that's in the game. You can go fishing. You could explore all the different biomes. You know, it's just such an adventurous feeling, that game. Um, and every time you start up a new world and start start fresh it, it always feels like a such a complete adventure to go on um every time and such a one of the peak experiences you can have with a group of friends um no doubt as well and this is definitely the probably the manifestation of the uh of the old uh what's it called uh the value of less is more um yeah because it's probably the most simple game there's ever been well it is but it's yeah it's like the the little intricacies about the game is what makes it so good like the um yeah you don't it it, from the outside looking in it looks very simple but when you get into a lot of the like specific crafting and and all the different things you can do in the game especially now like back in the day when i played it a lot it was a lot more basic than even it is now um but yeah I have a real attachment to Minecraft, all those really fun times. And I wrote here in the deck that, as Parcher would say, as the sun hits that ridge just right, these hills sing. Oh, beautiful. Because when the sunset hits on those hills of Minecraft, it is actually, like, it looks a beautiful feeling game, uh, looking game. And that brings us to everyone's favourite, number 27. (laughs) Yep. I love 27. And I love Resident Evil 7. That worked out a treat. I yeah. didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Resident Evil 7. It's a weird it's a weird sensation to be terrified by something so much, but can't help but go back for more. I feel like that was our situation when we played Resident Evil 7. So we played it together um, from afar, oh, well, in person a bit, and then online with the 
share share player, whatever the hell the it's old called, share streamo. Share. Um, and yeah, each each session we played usually end with "Why are we doing this?" or "I hate this" or or something like that. Yeah, will turn right, <laughs> turn right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's an amazing game. I think it really, it it truly awoken the fear inside me. This game, like in any other, unlike any other game I've played, I think more than the Evil Within two. <laughs> I haven't played the Evil Within two. Uh, sorry, Evil Within. I played the Evil Within. And I hate that game. The booby traps. Oh, that was such crap. Oh, that was such bull, bull crap. Seriously. I think I sent you like a clip of that. Yeah, yeah that just... stopped you playing it because you were just sick of opening oh my decoy God. boxes, loot boxes. It was like a little treasure chest and then you'd open it and it would you'd just be insta-dead. It's like, this is the worst game ever. I hate this. <laughs> anyway, Resident Evil 7. And that, and that honestly probably like pushed me away from horror games in general because I just thought that game was so crap. But when I played Resident Evil 2, obviously, I, we got back into it. And uh, Resident Evil 7, yeah, we just decided to play it together. I always wanted to play it. I tried playing it once on Xbox One um, and I only played a little bit of it. And then I, I always wanted to play it and then we decided to do it together and that was the fuel I think I needed and then we played it. And um, Yeah, it's just from start to finish, I think it's a really great game. I think the whole premise in the in the sort of like um, Southern American swampland in the bayou um inbred people it's like like a haunted house it's just so creepy um all of it that we could go into it in, in super detail on some of the scary moments but yeah the only the only uh it does pretty much everything right i think uh the only letdown is it's dimwit main character ethan that oh, uh, yeah. is a bit of a fool but i think the game around it is uh good enough to hold its spot on the 50 yeah. and it's more commonly known as biohazard yes well, the yeah, lowercase. Well, yeah, I don't know. This is called Resident Evil Seven Biohazard. Like that's the actual English name mm. of the game, but but Resident Evil in Japan is called Biohazard. That's the name of the series. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Biohazard is the name of the series in Japan and stuff. That's terrible. So I'm not sure what the I'm not sure why both words are listed in this title and what this is in Japan. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's not. It's not worth knowing. Capcom craziness. <laughs> yeah. Number 26. Number 26 is, uh, it might be cheating, but I don't care. It's Super Mario All-Stars for the Super Nintendo, which is four games in one sweet, sweet package, Luke. Birdo. Uh, yeah, Birdo. Uh, so this is the, this game's the, this is how I first experienced uh, the old Red Plumber, Mario, and the rest of the gang. Super Mario All-Stars. And I loved it back then, and I still love it today. Um, my grandparents had a Super Nintendo on a tiny old CRT back when I was a kid. And uh, every time I visited there, I would play Super Mario All-Stars. Um, and primarily, I'd play Super Mario Bros. 3, which is my favorite 2D Mario game. Um, but this package as a whole is really, like, it's a really good memory for me in general. Um, and I was strangely afraid of the menu startup screen when I was younger, which is the picture I put on the deck. Um because when you start the game, it's basically just you can just see the characters' silhouettes in black and white, and you can just hear this like laughter and chatter between all the characters. And there's something about it that just like felt really haunting to me <laughs> back in the day. It's not the Baker House, don't worry. It's worse than the Baker House. Oh, and that's why it's higher than Resident Evil Seven. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, this is the top fifty horror games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, I just love it, and it's 
you know, it, it remakes all of the uh, NES Mario games for Super Nintendo with better controls and brings them up to the 16-bit era and it just looks... I love that retro look of these games in the collection. So, yeah, good game. Good good games. Number Bird, 24. Birdo, sorry, oh. Birdo is from Super Mario Brothers 2, by the way. She's oh. actually the first, like, boss in the game. Really? Yeah, and Super Mario Brothers 2 is different to other Marios. It was actually, like, a a different game completely that they decided to make a Mario game in like America. Cause okay. the original super Mario brothers two, uh, which is this, like the follow up to the original Mario brothers is really, really hard. And they didn't think American audiences could handle it. <laughs> so they made a different kind of game completely. That's like not, it's, it's the most non Mario game, Mario game there is, but yeah. Well, because they saw America made, made English easier for themselves. Yeah. So they had to make games easy for them. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Number 25. Uh, tw- yeah, sorry. 25. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be off again. Sorry. <laughs> Number 25. We're halfway there. 25? 25. Yeah. Number 25. So, yeah, halfway is uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons for Nintendo Switch. And honestly, it was a bit of a toss-up for me whether to put New Horizons here or uh, the 3DS version, New Leaf, which is, was my start with Animal Crossing. Because both games took up like a huge, yeah, so much <laughs> a chunk of hours in my life. Um, and both are notable for very different reasons. I think New Horizons just takes the title because it's, uh, it has a very beautiful OST. Um, the visuals are so sharp. It's one of the best looking games on Switch easily. Um, and the cut level of customization with everything you do is, is like crazy expanded in this compared to New Leaf. And that's kind of the whole hook of the game is how customizable and craftable everything is. Um, so, yeah, I think I like that. Over, I like it over New Leaf just. And I think this game had such a large impact on everyone uh, that was playing in 2020 during during COVID. Yes, like this game came out during COVID where we're all locked down and we all started playing Animal Crossing and visiting each other's towns and like communicating through Animal Crossing as our like one of our main forms of actually hanging out. And uh, yeah, because of that, I feel like we all we're all able to set aside that extra baggage of the time and just have fun and on our stupid, funny-looking islands with all the weird animals. <laughs> and yeah, no, I love the game. So it's a really, really nice, relaxing game. It's definitely the most peaceful game on this list, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> after the last two, uh, <laughs> yeah, after those two bloody fright machines. Mm. Mm. All right, so we're up to good old Tarkin Lockyer, number twenty-four. Yeah, all right, we're in the top half, so let's go. The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, number 24 for the N64 slash the Nintendo 3DS. Um, so I I did a whole episode on this game for the Rumble Pack a long time ago. I think it was actually episode nine. Um, and I, so when I finally managed to complete the 3DS version of uh, Ocarina of Time, I realized that I was a massive fool for not seeking the game out earlier. Um, in, in full, like I, I obviously I'd played it, but I never committed to it. Um, and I'd always, I'd always been, I'd always known of the game. <clears throat> I was mesmerized by <clears throat> its title screen uh, sequence and music ever since uh, growing up. Since we used to borrow it all the time from uh, Mister Magic, which was a video game rental store in in Geelong, and uh, we used to, I used to rent it all the time. And I was just so mesmerized by uh, that title screen and, and music that I that it always stuck with me through my whole life, and uh, I basically never got p- 
past Kikiri Village ever. Because you got not only did it stick with you, you got stuck on it clearly because you never got anywhere. Um, yeah, I basically never, I never got past the first area. I think, <clears throat> I think one time ever, I got past the, um, <clears throat> I got past Kikiri Village and um, out into Hyrule Field, and I remember. I think I just freaked out. Because he was like, oh, I thought I was going to finish the game. <laughs> I think I just freaked out with too much pressure. It was too much of a wide open space that I just, um, I think I just gave up or something. Well, a, lo- a loss of linearity is pretty intimidating as a child. Yeah. So that was it. But I finished it uh, later in life and uh, it's one of the best best games I've ever played. It's, a, it's an amazing game. It. it it was always the game where people would say, oh, Ocarina of Time is the best game of all time. And without playing it, you just kind of, you, you kind of scoff at it like, oh, is it really? You know, but uh, I, after playing it and spending much, so much time understanding the game and listening to the music and whatever, I, I'll never, I'll never argue with someone that says that. I, I don't personally think it, but I would never um, dismiss it now. Mm. Yeah. Number 23. Number 23 is Mario Kart 8 um, for Wii U, but it's also on Nintendo Switch as Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. But I was an early adopter of the game on Wii U because there wasn't much else to play on the Wii U, so you sort of had to just pick up what, what you could. Um, and while, yeah, while the Switch version's further improved, I think, I don't know, there's something about the Wii U version that still feels like the best way for to experience the game for me. Um, I think the gameplay mechanics in both are obviously great. They're pretty much the same, but they they felt superb in the Wii U version um, with the sort of boost hopping you could do to sort of get extra speed. And um, it had single item boxes instead of double. So there's a lot more strategy to races. You like you had so much less opportunity to defend yourself and things. So it always felt more intense overall. Um but yeah, there's no doubt to me that Mario Kart 8 is the pinnacle of uh, of Mario Kart um, in in basically every way. It's um, yeah, it's just the best execution of a kart racer game. It's, it's the best kart racing game ever. <laughs> Number twenty two. Number twenty two is oh. Sea of Thieves for the Xbox One, um, and Sea of Thieves is. This is one of the biggest blurbs I wrote in my whole deck because I, uh, I, I couldn't stop talking about it because I really loved Sea of Thieves. You filled the box. Yeah, well, yeah, I had to expand the text box to, to go wider <laughs> to, to actually fit it in. Um, it's a much more of a game, more than a game about just being pirates. It's, uh, it's about the journey that you take with your pals um, and the memories that you make along the way. And yeah, I think... I, I did try this game once and I never got into it and I and I we eventually came back to it and loved it now obviously and I, I never would have expected it to become such a mainstay in my gaming lineup like it did and it's not now but I feel like if we wanted it to it could mm. um, <clears throat> it's just got such a unique um, it's just such a unique game I just love it it's like it's so fun and, and you can almost spend two hours doing jack all in the game but still have a great experience because it's just such a perfect time and place like thing to do with friends um and they keep adding excellent things over time such as the shores of gold expansion to keep us occupied as well so it's always been great Uh, but it's got this unique ability to become a place where friends 
uh, and Coke can just spend time chatting, and no matter how personal it be, uh, could be. Yeah, I think I got, I even got to know you better, <laughs> like just playing the game because of so how much downtime there is in the game, which sounds like a bad thing for most games. It's like all this downtime when you're sailing and things, but you just spend so much time getting to know your crew members, I guess, that it becomes really personal. And it, it's just the, yeah, the experience is just un, uh, yeah. I don't think many games can be that way. Yeah. Well, you, you learned about my dark side as well. Well, I did. <laughs> I learned how bloody evil you want to be in every in every situation possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, it has an uncanny ability to pause time around you and just let you breathe, which I think is what I really like about it. Mm. Before dropping a Meg on you out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. A Meg on Shark or a Kraken or whatever. So the game can just go from zero to 100 in seconds. It's just like, it's the best. I love it. And that's almost an irrational fear. That, yeah. uh, this is, I mean, this is why it's number twenty-two on your your horror list. Yeah, <laughs> those damn megs—that's terrifying. Yeah, that's pretty high in a top fifty. Yeah, and it's it's well worth it. Mm. Yeah, number twenty-one. Number twenty-one is Banjo Kazooie for the Nintendo sixty-four, and that was, I think, yeah, Banjo was the the big. The next big game for me on the N64 when I was little after, you know, things like Super Mario 64 and, and Mario Kart 64. Um, and and with Mario, uh, Super Mario 64, they share so many elements. You know, they're both what you could... would <laughs> They're both what you could call a collectathon in a way where, you, you know, you collect all the things scattered around the level and that's sort of the main hook. Um, and they both have sprawling worlds that are large hub worlds, things like that. Um but the pull of Banjo for me is the excellent move set that uh, Banjo and Kazooie can perform, and then this sort of cast of quirky, um, iconic characters that the game has that um, sound bizarre and move funny, and like everything is just really wacky and um, imaginative, which I, which I really like. And the soundtrack from uh, famous video game composer Gra- Greg Kirkhope is also uh, iconic. And something that I've always, uh, it's always stuck with me. I feel like I could recite them all, <laughs> like the sounds of them all even now. Uh, I've just heard them so many times. So yeah, it's a great game. It's full of so small, I think it's, the thing that makes it great is a sm- all the small 1% is that, um, that elevate it from a great game to an amazing game. Um, they went out of their way to just really fine tune it all. It's a very complete game. Um, and yeah, that's why when I went to Japan, I knew I had to pick up um, a mid condition Japanese version box, which proudly displays above my um, desk at home. Mm, I see it right there. Yeah. Looking all weird, but cool. Yeah. And to hear more about this amazing game, head back to episode 26. That's right. We did a banjo episode. Jeez, yeah. we're going to run out of games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, number 20. All right, top 20. Let's go. Top 20 starts with. Batman Arkham City, one of the best Xbox 360 games ever. One of the best games ever. One of Well, yes, one of the best games ever. Um, but played on the 360. It released early, 2010. Uh, I think 2010. Actually, on my birthday. It was supposed to come out on October 19th. And my birthday's on the 16th. And I remember sitting at home and... The EB games that I pre-ordered the game at, a special version of the game with a steel case with the um, 
amazing gray um art of batman and that with the sort of just red blood cut on him and Contrast. all that yeah um and I, and they rang me up and they said that the like release date's been broken and I can come get it. So it was on my birthday and I was just so stoked um, to go get the game. And obviously I'd played Arkham um, Asylum based off your recommendation. I probably borrowed from you. Um, and I love Arkham City. I feel like I've started the like restarted the game like fifteen times in my life at least. <laughs> like oh, I've yeah. probably finished it maybe five, but I've I always come back to it and restart it because I just always want to be in that world. Well, the replayability is out of control in this game yeah it is and the game's you know carried hard by those peak performances for batman and joker uh by kevin conroy and um mark hamill, mark, mark hamill and luke skywalker um and i think well yeah as i said obviously i loved asylum but city was the the necessary expansion of this arkham uh batman formula that uh took it took it places i don't think we ever expected and it was provided an early glimpse of what like the open world classification is that we're sort of living in now Mm. but instead of being some giant game with endless things to do that you probably don't need to do arkham city has uh gives the player a world that's perfectly sized and it never feels too overwhelming um, and it's filled with a really satisfying amount of side stories that out bring in other characters from the universe. And they're all like, it's just the perfect amount of stuff, I mm. think. Um, and uh, and yeah, the, obviously, yeah, Batman. The combat's amazing. The story's great. The visuals look awesome. And I'll always revisit it and I always recommend it to people that haven't played it as well. And we've done an episode on uh, both games. Episode yeah. 30 for this game. Uh, I think 20. I think episode 30 was 20. Bioshock. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Episode 20. Yeah. And uh, of course, he's got the second best suit in superhero Dom. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there's probably like 10 extra suits in that game. And I actually think the, that he's, he's normal suits, he's best. With the jocks. Yeah. 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 Got to have the jocks. Mm. All right. We're inside the top 20 now. <laughs> So we're on to the top 19 yeah. games of all time. <laughs> so thanks for the classification. Number 19. Number 19 is The Last of Us Part 2 uh, for the PS4. So I left this game, uh, finishing this game, with the most unnatural feeling, uh, spanning so many emotions uh, at the time, such as guilt, sadness, uh, frustration and even some slight happiness um, and I remember just sitting there when I finished the game for like half an hour after the credits just pondering uh, pondering on what I just even did or even played you know um, and I, I didn't even I feel like I didn't come to terms with it for um, for a few days and, and I mean at the time I you know you or, or my brother hadn't finished it or anything so it was just me and I was just trying to like ponder what I'd played um, and that's yeah that shows how impactful that story is of the last of us and i think this game is such a huge leap from the first game in terms of uh obviously like graphics and the gameplay is super enhanced and feels very solid in this game compared to the original um but that doesn't really matter i think the story of ellie and joel's uh enhanced in a undeniably good way in this game um that leaves you really sad that it's over but also really happy that uh that it happened yeah um, and then, yeah, I can't really predict, uh, what this happened, what will happen with the series in the future, but, um, 
if Naughty Dog decided to leave it there, I would definitely have no uh, no uh, frustration with it as they produced a masterpiece of storytelling here that will only ever be matched by the best. Mm. Yeah. I agree. Mm. Episode 10. Yes, episode 10B. 10B, we yeah. Two, we did a hu- two huge games there, uh, episodes there. And yeah, Last of Part 2 is an amazing game that I've never replayed because I... I'm almost afraid of replaying it. It's such a. Um, I'm afraid. It's like I want to do it and I just can't. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's so much to take. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's best we just move on. Yeah. I, we could keep going on. <laughs> Number about, eighteen. Listen to the friggin' two and a half hour episode we did on. <laughs> yeah. Eighteen. All right. Eighteen is Super Mario Maker for the Wii U, and I feel like this was the absolute perfect type of game. For the Nintendo Wii U, um, not only did it use its use the Wii U gamepad to like its fullest potential possible for creating levels, but it also featured a community aspect that was really fun to be part of. Um, and I think the Wii U had this real sense of community within it for for the people that owned a Wii U, which was not that many. Um, but if you were in it, it was uh, a really fun thing to be a part of, and Mario Maker was a big part of that. So um, I didn't know. I didn't know if initially if I would really enjoy creating levels because obviously I've played Mario games for my whole life and um, I didn't know if I'd like it. But then I got, after I got a few hours into the experience, <clears throat> like learning uh, how to make levels, I was hooked on it for ages. I made countless levels, um, tough as nails levels themed around, I made levels that were hard, just themed around certain friends of mine um, and their life for them to complete i made a bunch of levels challenge levels specifically for my brother to complete i just loved uh i think i just loved torturing my friends uh, oh yeah there's an element to that on mario maker um (laughs) and yeah i loved how seamless changing the game style was you know just by the press of the button you could transform your whole level from a super mario world looking level to a super mario 3 looking level things like that's just so so cool all the options is endlessly creative um it's just an amazing idea for a game. I love it, and and they re they did a second game on Switch, but the Wii U version's just <clears throat> is one hundred percent the probably will always be the optimal uh, version of the game because of the gamepad and just the the way it's set up. It's yeah, I love the game. And there it is, up next to Crash Bandicoot. Yep, yep, it's on it's on the shelf on display. I I wish it was still because um, yeah, obviously I could play Mario Maker two now because all the servers and things for. Mario Maker one I think is sort of gone, so it's really sad. But um I'll always yeah, I'll always love that game. Number seventeen. <clears throat> Number seventeen is The Legend of Zelda, uh The Wind Waker. Um primarily the Wii U HD release, but uh also the original game. There's something there's something really special about Link's uh adventure in, in The Wind Waker. I don't know if it's because of how the how like Link's emotions are conveyed through his expressions um, and all the other characters or if it's the wonderful music while you're sailing across sea or on all the islands you can visit um, and that yeah that sense of adventure in this game where you sort of chart your whole chart your whole sea map across the whole high Hyrulean sea and you sort of just go wherever you want and um, follow the leads to, to figure out the story it's such a it's such a different Zelda game and so so good in so many ways. 
um, that I could, I'm sure I could list one day in its own episode probably. Um, and yeah, this game, I feel like it holds a special place in my heart. It really introduced me to 3D Zelda properly. Obviously, I'd played Ocarina a bit growing up, but as I said, never finished it. This was the first Zelda, 3D Zelda game that I ever actually beat um, and really got engrossed in uh, in my life. And I just loved it. And obviously, as I've mentioned a hundred times, I love the Wii U console. So I think the the excellent use of mechanics uh, v via the Wii U with the gamepad. So like you know, charting your C map on the Wii U gamepad specifically while you sail, or and and using your inventory on the screen while you do things on this screen, or whatever. It's just such a um, such a fun way to play. Such an adventurous game. So I love love the Wind Waker. Um, and yeah, great game to sink a lot of hours into. Um, yeah, I always want to play it again. Mm. Number 16. Number 16 is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Um, and yeah, I'll go... I'm happy to go on record um, saying that Super. there's no never been more hype surrounding uh, the reveal of a game or its characters than Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Uh, I don't think there's ever been anything done in the same vein. Yeah, all of the fighter reveals were just so exciting. Like, and obviously, I'm not even talking about the game yet. Like, this is just the lead up to the game, and then all of the following reveals and whatnot. Just the sense of the community for this game across the whole internet's uh, unlike anything I've ever seen before. Never forget the Sora reveal. Oh yeah, the Sora reveal was the uh, the culmination of Smash Brothers' entire history. Basically, um, it was an amazing event. Mm. <laughs> Um, and uh, thankfully, yeah, the game is also fantastic and without a doubt the best Smash game in the series. The The gameplay is executed to such a high degree um, that, and with that amount of characters and how they're all balanced, like it doesn't even feel like it's possible. Like I don't even know how it's real that there could be 90-odd characters that are so balanced against each other and so unique. It's just crazy. Um, and then, yeah, some of the new additions made like Banjo-Kazooie and Ridley from Metroid um, make the game so fresh. Um, yeah, I never loved like I always liked Super Smash Brothers, but I never loved it as much as I did when I got Ultimate uh, in my hands. And uh, I'll carry that love forever now. With um, as I continue to get bullied online by good players. <laughs> so, and who's your go-to? Um, Pick one. My okay. I was gonna say two, but because I sort of. There's two that I play a lot, but I'd say my go-to. Oh, if I have to pick one, I reckon I've done the most damage or caused the most um, psychological stress to my friends playing as Piranha Plant. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be demoralizing losing to a Piranha Plant. So Piranha Plant was the weird, unique, out of left field character. They just decided to say we're putting Piranha Plant in Smash Ultimate. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like, what? <laughs> and I love playing as Piranha Plants. Such a good character. Uh, very underrated. I've Yeah, I've really made some people upset playing Piranha Plant. <laughs> <laughs> it would. I'd be mad listening to that. <laughs> Number 15. Number 15 is uh, Splatoon 2. And, uh, oh, man, I love Splatoon. What an awesome out-of-left-field series uh, for Nintendo that, uh, that, that Nintendo came up with. Uh, I got really into Splatoon 2 on, on Switch. I racked up, yeah, I don't. I think my game time somewhere over 250 hours of Splatoon 2. It's by far the most played Switch game I've ever had and maybe one of the most played games I've ever had. 
um, except for maybe like Halo when I was growing up. Um, but over that time, like 250 plus hours, I never really grew tired of it after that, that long of playing the game. I think the additions they made in Splatoon 2, such as my favorite mode, Salmon Run, which is sort of like a kind of zombie spin in Splatoon, um, kept it fresh and allowed me to split my time in the game between you know the normal online multiplayer battles and then the PvE mode of Salmon Run. Um, and then you can just sort of alternate. You don't really get that burnout that you might in a, um, you know, like playing Call of Duty or something. Um, and yeah, I think Splatoon I love because I can play, I could go on and play for an hour. And whether I win or lose most of the time, I can always feel uh, just happy and like enjoyment from it rather than getting really down on, you know, losing or or playing bad. I think Splatoon just has this really fun, um, unique energy to it that always just keeps you um feeling really upbeat so i really like splatoon um and uh, yeah the 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 colorful visual style all the weaponry and special abilities are so fun and the soundtrack's amazing they always add new sound like music the music i haven't heard music like that in any game in my life like it's just so different um uh, i i could not even explain what kind of genre it is like i don't know it's just i don't think i've ever heard it's just crazy strange music that i really think is cool um and yeah it's just genius i love it it's just such a genius concept to me i loved splatoon 1 and i love splatoon 3 now but i uh, i think splatoon 2 is always gonna be my favorite it's kind of where i learn to uh swim you know yeah yeah it's good to learn swim paint yeah number 14 Get, we're in the top 14 now. Yeah, right. yeah, I'm glad you're combining all your lists into one. Your top <laughs> yeah. 50, your top 20, yeah. top 14. <laughs> top horrors. Top horrors, yeah. <laughs> all right. Number 14 is God of War uh, from 20... Uh, 2018. I have another phone I have another phone call. It's my second phone call. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so number 14 <laughs> um yes god of war for the playstation 4 and i don't even yeah where do i even begin with god of war uh the reason well i uh, sorry uh, earlier when i said spider-man i said that's one of the reasons but really this was the reason i bought my first ever playstation my playstation 4 and the picture that i put on the deck uh that uh, you can't see but look and see is the reason that's the that picture right there is the reason that I bought a PlayStation and now I am you know I play PlayStation games. Uh, for those playing along at home, the reason is a is Jormungandr, the uh, world serpent, rising yep. up out of the lake, towering yes. above Kratos. So this picture is from the E3 trailer in 2016, uh, and the the very end of the trailer is uh, that scene, um, which actually I'm pretty sure in the main game has a quite a different color palette to that. Yes, um, it is. It was it's very grey in the the trailer, mm. but um, I when I saw this uh, trailer, I I just knew I was like I have to play God of War. I just have to. It just looks so good. Um, I quickly looked over at my Xbox One um, after the trailer and asked myself what the hell I've been doing with my life. Yeah, <laughs> and I understand that feeling. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, obviously I played the game on release day day of. Um, and it's fantastic. I love the bond between Kratos um, and Atreus. It's incredibly well written. 
uh, makes you think very deeply about your own relationships as well, in a similar vein to um, Joel and Ellie. Then the gameplay is outrageous. Um, it's hard-hitting, brutal, a brutal display of uh, of violence. Brute force, yeah. yeah. Um, especially during some of the most memorable set pieces in the game, which are some of the best in gaming history, really. Yeah, cinematic um, history. Yeah, in that game. And, uh, yeah, while the follow-up Ragnarok... Um, did some excellent things as well. I think it's just, yeah, this original game really, uh, really like stole my heart when I played it. And I really, uh, yeah, have a lot of love for it, for it, it spurring on my PlayStation um, career, you could say. And am I yeah. correct in saying we haven't done an episode on this yet? No, we haven't. We haven't done an episode on this or Ragnarok. We did do a bonus once where we just talked about Ragnarok's thoughts, but... Um, We've never done God of War, so it'll happen. Yeah. It'll happen. It'll I be a big one, I'd say. I was shocked when I couldn't find one. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll be a big one. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that game. I love that game. Number 13. No. Oh. Justin Blumfield. <laughs> Number 13 is Halo 3. You see, you see that picture, Luke? On there? I do. See those hills? Yeah. That valley? Oh, yeah. So that's val. That's for everyone uh, listening. That's a picture of uh, mongoose going in Valhalla, the map on Halo Three. I was born there, Luke. A mongoose being a uh, a quad bike. Uh yeah, but <laughs> that's not that's not what's cool. No, no, <laughs> he's not literally riding a mongoose. That's that's actually where I was born. Yeah, was in the battlefields of Halo Three mm. with uh, uh, with my entire friend circle during my teenage years and I'm very very grateful uh, of that game that was Halo 3 is such an excellent game um, it has an epic campaign which is a high note for the franchise in my opinion um, and the multiplayer kicks absolute covenant ass as well uh, it was on stages such as Guardian The Pit Narrows Valhalla Blackout Foundry and more uh, that I truly became a man and I learned how to tell someone across the world how I really felt about them as I rested my Spartan balls on their face. <laughs> Truly a majestic time. It was a unique time. <laughs> that's for sure. The old the, t- the tea bag was never as hasn't been as strong since. Nah. <laughs> you do see it on Halo Infinite sometimes, but it's not not a regular occurrence. <laughs> These days it was it was every kill. Every time. And and team chat was on. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's I love that game. It's worth noting that a lot of the friendships I hold today were shaped by uh, this game's existence in a lot of ways, especially uh, at the time my brother and I, you know, we were moving interstate sort of back and forth and a lot of friends we had in different states, we all kept connected this whole time because of this game and we're all still best friends now. Um including you're in the same circle now as well you know so sort of i feel like halo 3 sort of spurred that whole thing on which will be a a friendship circle for life so it's uh very much um dear to me and they've all um except for me i'm proud to say this but i'm I'm sure you're they're all united by one thing and that's uh copying your balls to their face (laughs) at some point oh yeah and getting injured (laughs) <laughs> that's right ninjured that's a term I learned recently yeah it's when you jump over someone's head and, and assassinate them in the back while you're still in the air it's called ninja on Halo Infinite it actually comes up as like someone got ninjured by this person in the thing 
Mm. Yeah. Very funny. Number 12. Number 12 is Resident Evil 4. So I always heard I always heard the murmurs about Resident Evil 4 forever. Some would say it's uh, one of the all-time greats and some would even say it's the greatest game. Like people will actually say that it's the best game ever. Mm. Um, and I finally beat the game um, on the Nintendo Wii last year, I think it was. Last year... And, um, yeah, they weren't just saying that. I'm not saying it's the best game of all time, but I, <laughs> but to me, it, it is actually potentially one of the greats. It's just such a good, it's just such a good game. It's an epic experience um, from its excellent cast of characters and its haunting themes um, and terrific boss fights through the game. And I say haunting themes because it's not a horror game a la 2 or 7. Um, but it does have some parts that, like, you know, keep you on edge. It's not like it's not spooky. Mm. Um, a thrill, it's a thriller. Yeah. yeah more, sure. more than a horror. Yeah. Um, I love the Wii version when I played it, and it's arcade spin with the motion controls for aiming. It's just so fun. Um, but the new and improved remake for PS5 is what cemented the game up high on, on this list, um, for sure. It's The gunplay in that game is uh, fantastic. The visuals are some of the best I've ever seen, um, especially... Um, some crazy, you know, when crazy monster limbs pop out of a Ganado's head and they're it's on fire. Like the visuals are just, it's like it looks real. It's crazy how good it looks. Um, and I was impressed. Yeah, I think yeah, b- being that it's not as horrid to find as the other ones, I was really impressed of how big of a mark it actually left on me. Um, and and uh, yeah, really, I just really love Leon. Um, I mean, look at him. Well, I mean, he's, you- he's so cool. If there was no Ethan in your life, you wouldn't know what you wouldn't appreciate Leon the same. Well, I just love, I really do. Uh, Leon has actually become one of my favorite game video game characters. I just really <laughs> like him. <laughs> he's yeah, just okay. cool, and I love his athleticism in Resident Evil Four because he's been trained as a soldier for years, and now he can fly kick dudes and and all this stuff. And it's just it's very satisfying. It's actually it, it's completely out of control, and his athleticism <laughs> never meets the moment. <laughs> I remember because I'm currently playing through this game and and enjoying it thoroughly, getting you know more uh, enjoying it more and more the more I play it. Mm. And uh, I remember there was the, the scene where the two sisters with the chainsaws cut start cutting through the wall, oh. and his reaction is to take a step towards the wall, do a big uh, and then do a flip <laughs> kick off the wall. Yeah, when he could have just taken a step backwards, he ended it's, up just it's about far. style points. Oh, and that's why he's cool. And he has, but he's the most fearless dude of all time. Yeah, he is. He just goes <laughs> every time there's like a, something intense going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I love him. He's unset, unsettling, unsettlingly, linglingly calm. He's my gaming man crush. But Ethan. Well, I don't even know what he looks like. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> all I know is his hand. It's for, it's for the best. He's, he's, he screws, he's cut off. He screws back hand. on. Oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's not ruin everything good by talking about Ethan. Uh, Ethan Winters. Ethan Winters, yes. Yeah. Number 11. Uh, number 11 is a little doozy called Elden Ring uh, for PS5 or whatever you want to play it on. But Elden Ring is uh, plain and simply a remarkable achievement for video games as a whole. It carries such a sense of wonder um, that not many games could could ever achieve while being one of the hardest games in existence. But it's worth the pain. Um, The pain is only temporary. 
and the feeling of exploring the lands between uh, to every inch uh, makes you forget quickly about the 45 times Godric, Godric sent you to Suplex City. <laughs> does he actually do Suplex? Um, uh, yeah, I think he does. One of them, I, I, I just wrote that, but I mean, one of the bosses <laughs> I'm pretty sure does do a Suplex, yeah. Yeah, I see. <laughs> and he has like eight arms oh, for no. it. Yeah. Um, no, it's a beautiful game. It's one of the best... Uh, it, well, actually, sorry. It's the best game I've played on my PS5 to date. There's absolutely no question uh, no question about it. And uh, as with all Souls games, um, Souls-like games, it's better with friends and the traversing the uh, world in Elden Ring as a group and running into field bosses you never expect, um, finding secret passageway after secret passageway to, to different whole other areas of the game. And um, yeah, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. It's just one of the... Yeah, it's, it's so hard to... You know how hard it was for me to not put this in my top 10? <laughs> it's so worthy. <laughs> so if you weren't, if you, if you couldn't, um, you know, given, you, given this is really your top 10 episode, you would say that this is the game that would be in your top 11. This is my honourable mention to my top 10. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, which is very um, deserving. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Mm. No, well, love it. I wish you played it with us. So good. Mm. Mm. Well, that brings us to the top 10. Episode of this Finally. episode. It's been two hours almost. <laughs> so let's go. <laughs> let's just make this the fastest 10 we've done so far. Yeah, I'll just reel them off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number 10. Number 10 is uh, Super Mario 64 uh, for the N64, obviously. Uh, I could never have known that when I played Super Mario 64 for the first time at about four or five that it would create uh, such a bond inside me with Nintendo. Um, that stands strong to this day. It's, uh, I think it's, be, be it nostalgic or not, the game means incredible amount to me, just generally, because it was my pretty much my first game. Like, it's the first game I ever ever played. There's still a, there's still a photo of me, I think. I don't have it, but my parents have got a photo of me when I'm, yeah, probably four, um, holding, sitting there in front of the TV with the N64 control playing this game um, on the in the very... Very fields outside Peach's Castle that are on the picture on my deck, and I put that picture there because um, the memories of just long jumping around the castle gardens um, come to mind to me whenever I think about the game. It's just such a the, the memories just so instilled in me um, of, of starting the game and just just you know just jumping around those gardens because I was so young. I didn't know what I was doing. Eventually, I did, mm. but I, but not at the time. Um, I still remember defeating the final Bowser level and listening to the staff roll um, theme, like soundtrack theme, as the uh, credits showed, um, knowing that I'd been in the video game for the first time in my life. And uh, as I was typing the... Uh, even now, but as I was typing that in the in the deck here, I, uh, I was subconsciously humming that song in my head because I just know it so well. <laughs> and I've known it so well since I ever beat that game. Um so yeah, it's one of the most important games of all time, obviously for its con- contributions to video games, um, and I just, I just love it. And it's only number ten, so what could be above it? Well, <laughs> let's see what's at number nine. <laughs> number nine is a little game from the Xbox 360, um, made by Irrational Games, written by the great Ken Levine. Kenny. Uh, called Bioshock, Ooh. which was, um, yeah, it's a, we've obviously, yeah, we've done the episode on it, but it's a big, 
it's a big deal for me, for us in many ways, both of us. Um, I think there's something to be said about a game that features such an insanely good plot twist, uh, like something like um, things like get in, you know stuff like in Game of Thrones that feels so just as fresh and is exciting every time that you experience it. Somehow mm. the the plot twists and the oh, the biggest story beats of this game never feel dated. Mm. <laughs> and it's just uh, it shows how incredible the writing and execution of the story is. It's probably better than like it's potentially better than any game ever made. The execution of the story and the writing is insane. You're saying that it's the best game ever. I'm saying it's I'm saying the the story and the writing is just incredibly good. Like stupidly good. And if you think about the audio audio's half the uh is the the charm. And because they recorded yep. it so well as in just people's voice genuinely good voice actors. Mm. The that can't really age. No. Not really. There's just something about the game. I've played it I don't know how many times I've played this game. Probably like 6 or 7 times. I reckon I've played this game way more than I've ever played the other Bioshock games because mm. I just can I, I never get sick of it. I never get sick of the the game. It's and did you ever hundred so percent it or collect all of the audio diaries? Like, would you if you played it again, would you still find more that you hadn't found before? Oh, geez, you'd be scratching to find. It'd be tough to find one. Yeah, but maybe I've never I've never truly played it and gone. I'm gonna get everything, but I have done playthroughs where I've looked at. You know, explored almost everywhere I could. Yeah, yeah. Even my the last time I played it was on uh, Nintendo Switch, and that was great as well. Just playing it on Switch in bed was just another whole, um, a whole new experience of the game mm. in like in a little handheld screen. That was very fun, mm. um, and it felt funny. <laughs> felt weird. <laughs> I didn't do it, but I wanted to. I wanted to install it on my Switch Lite and just see whether it felt like that on there on like a little tiny Game Boy my <laughs> shock. Um, but yeah. You mix uh, you mix the writing with the incredible atmospheric setting in Rapture that's uh, yeah close to being unmatched, obviously, um, and the wildly creative gameplay, including the gunplay um, and the uh, with elemental abilities, um, and you've got a legend on your hands in every way. And, yeah. and his name's Jack. That's yeah, all. and his name's Ethan Winters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, yeah, I, obviously we've done a huge episode on it. Um, that was hours long. We love the game and the game has a huge meaning to both of us and um, it's a big part of our friendship. It's one of the like uh, pillars, I think, of our friendship generally and how our friendship spawned, things like that. So very um, thankful for Bioshock. means a lot to me and, and us. Absolutely. Yeah. Number eight, Jason Winderlich. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight is... Ori and the Will of the Wisps. So both Ori games provided a hugely emotional waiting to me um, while playing them. Um, but it is the sequel, Will of the Wisps, that uh, I consistently refer to as one of the best games of all time. Uh, it carries over yeah, everything that the first game did in, in such a brilliant way and it improves on it basically in every way, uh, primarily in the combat, which I effing love in Will of the Wisps. Yeah. Um, the art is to die for and it really should be in, in an art gallery until the end of time because it's just, it's amazing. Luma pools. Oh, uh, oh my God. The water. 
Um, Luke and I love good water in a video game. And, oh. Loom, and Luma Pools is the best ever. Yeah. It's got to be close. Yeah, and it was great. There was, there was a scene in the... In, uh, there was an area in the Blind Forest, the first game, that mm-hmm. was amazing. And Luma Pools went from giving us a look at that sort of water yep. to just letting us be the water. Yeah. Uh, not literally or in any way, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. um, and obviously, uh, the Blind Forest is omitted from my list, but I feel I feel like the Blind Forest and Will of the Wisps, to me, like when I think about them, it feels like one big, complete game. Um, but if I had to pick, obviously, Will of the Wisps is just outrageous in every way. And there's... I don't think any two... Like, I love 2D games, obviously, and I've played a lot, but there's no 2D game... Um, that has had movement that feels as free-flowing and as solid as Ori and the Will of the Wisps at, towards the end of the game when you've unlocked all your abilities. That's, you can almost get the whole game's world without even touching the ground. Mm. It is the most satisfying thing ever. Yeah. So it, good. It well, is great. And I think the... Uh, yeah, I don't know. This the way it naturally built upon the first game mm. is what... And, like, rehauled the combat system or gave it a combat system really yeah uh, it was just uh it was very very special oh yeah so special it's um i i started i mean i've always liked thinking i'd get 100 percent on games or whatever and i started doing platinum trophies on playstation and whatnot but Ori in the will of the wisps is one of the first one of the only games ever on xbox that i happily 100 percented i did 100 percent map everything mm. i think um, we all did yeah i hope we all did because it deserves it. And yeah, that's not even mentioned this story, which is very emotional and be prepared to cry. <laughs> well, I just wanted to say quickly, uh, episode six of the podcast was Ori in the Blind Forest. So yeah, yeah. that's a great entry point if you want to learn about the game. And we're going to, uh, we will do Will of the Wisps at some point yeah, soon. absolutely. I'd love to, yeah. Every time I think of it, I always want to maybe give it another go around. <laughs> oh, I do every time. Every, yeah. every time I think of it, I need to. Like, and I should pro- probably should play it on my Series X now that it's in 4K and and, and 120 FPS. All this stuff, Ooh. the new the update to it. I'll come watch you. Yeah. yeah. Number seven. <laughs> Number seven. We're getting up there. Number seven is The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, which is uh, the 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 most recent game on my top fifty. Um. And Nintendo did uh, the absolute unthinkable on this game. <laughs> on this game, uh, had uh, like describing it in, a, in one paragraph is so hard. It's such a massive achievement um, by Nintendo, and such an absolute win for video game fans just generally. The scope is so outrageous um, that it's actually maybe too big. Like I've like I've st- I'll still play it now, and I. It's one of those ones that's like oh, I'd love to just hundred percent the game. But oh my god, it would take me like friggin' a thousand hours. Like it's so big, the game is crazy. But what I think what makes it so special is that it's incredibly large in scale, but no part of it ever feels like it doesn't belong or that it was cheaply made to add content. It's so refined in every single part of the world from the three layers of friggin' world that it has. Um and it's clear how much love went into the game. Um, and as a yeah fan of Zelda and Nintendo, I'm very, very grateful I got to experience this game, just in general. Um, and yeah, diving out of the sky for the first time is something seen to be believed or played to be believed. Like uh, you can't 
you can't re-explain it to someone. They just actually have to ex- just experience it because it's uh, it's uh, it's iconic. It's an iconic game that we've been handed. I don't even want to speculate on what would come next for the series anymore. Like uh, I think, uh, obviously after Breath of the Wild, it was like, oh, what will they do next? But now that we've got this, I don't even want to think about it ever. I just want to enjoy the fact that this exists and just um just stay here for a fair while mm. and just in, just be happy with that there's not even any point expecting more than that so yeah number six so number six is celeste uh a, an indie game from uh i think 2018 or 19 i think it was and uh, I heard of I was at the time I was hearing of the rave reviews Celeste was getting um, at its time of release, and I knew only of the game through the online space. And at face value, it sort of just looked like a bit of a cheap indie game, really. If there's nothing about the visuals that's um, necessarily crazy uh, appealing or anything like that. Like I mean, it looks good, but it's not like it's not like it doesn't look like Ori, you mm, know? No. no. Um, and I I never imagined. Uh, once it came to Game Pass and I tried it, how much of an impact it would actually uh, have on my entire life, really, this game. I was going through a pretty rough patch at the time when this game came out. I think I was just very ultimately lost um, in my own direction. Like I didn't, I just felt very directionless in my, directionless in my life and achieving Madeline's goal of, scaling celeste mountain was very rewarding for me in ways that i never ever expected it could be it just sort of hit me hit me all at once and it was so inspiring um that i think from that point forward i really started to plan a new path forward in my own life and like achieve start achieving a lot of goals just like she did in the game um so yeah it's a truly beautiful game and uh i thought it was only fitting to display uh, the selfie that Madeline and Theo take um, during the game because it really warmed my heart when I saw it. And um, yeah, I love that game. It's very, very emotionally close to me, that game. It's still, uh, mm. yeah, whenever I, I still haven't uh, played it through. Uh, I've played probably uh, half an hour to an hour of it, but still intend to, to play it properly. Uh, but I do recall you uh, highlighting that at the time when you finished it saying mm. how much it uh, affected you emotionally. And I yeah. don't think you've said it, you hadn't said that before. So this is, to me, in many ways, the time you properly mm. dove into gaming and started to appreciate the uh, probably the, the the finer details mm. and how they can affect you. That's just a, that that sort of I remember that highlighted for me at the time. Yeah, it was a big moment for you. And I was going to say this to you then, but I was like, well, one day we'll do our top fifties podcast, so I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> but honorable mention top five. There must only, can only be five in the yeah, top five. Yeah, can only be five. Um, yeah, we can only be five. The, the top five, uh, back at the start of this episode, I did say four could have been number one, but realistically, every one of these five could have been number one um, for so many reasons that I won't explain overall. But um, I'll just say I love all these games a lot and uh, I will always replay them, all five of these. Mm. I'll always play them again, and I can and only I do. I already do, <laughs> and I can only think off the top of my head of two of them. Yeah, well, suspicions. Well, well, that's as good. They I'm are. glad. I'm glad then. <laughs> All right, number five. 
number five is Super Mario Odyssey for the Nintendo Switch. And uh, I have an annual tradition of playing Super Mario Odyssey every January since 2018. <laughs> and uh, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. That's uh, a marvelous game. When this got, game got re- uh, revealed at the Nintendo Switch presentation in uh, January 2017, that's what it was called. It was a live stream from Japan on some stage before the Switch launched. Um, they they revealed the game for the first time and I actually cried. I was sitting <laughs> on the couch and I didn't even know... Th- like Obviously, I liked Mario and 3D Mario, but I didn't even know it meant that much to me. And I remember watching this trailer and all of a sudden I was sitting there crying, watching a freaking trailer of Mario running around like what looked like New York City. And, uh, of course, the game came out later in the year and it's... Um, Friggin' terrific. Controlling Mario is like we were blessed by God in this <laughs> game. It's just it's so good. Like there's no there's no game that controls this good ever. Not even the ones that are above it on this list. This is it doesn't it, it can't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even think they'll be able to do it better when they do a follow up. Like it's just so good. Um, and the selection of the levels, the kingdoms are amazing. The music's glorious, and just when you think it couldn't get any better. Uh, the Mushroom Kingdom appears and uh, you feel like you, um, you're home and you never want to leave it. And uh, yeah, you, you walk back into Peach's Castle from Super Mario 64 and it's uh, a beautiful, beautiful game overall. It's, uh, it's great. And you can turn into a dinosaur and wreck up everyone's life. So it's very fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, sounds, uh, that sounds like a bit of a turn. Uh, but I will... Uh... That's a that's on my soon to do list. Yeah, it's it's a it's yeah it's a good game. Like you, yeah, you played another Mario game for me recently, and I and I think um and you enjoyed that. But yeah, I reckon this will be something you'll be super into. Yeah, this game. Yeah. Well, brings us to the number four. Number four. Number four is Bloodborne. Oh, of course, for PlayStation Four, and uh, it's the. In a way, it's not number one, but it holds the greatest number. <laughs> number four. The yes, best number in existence. Oh, I should have listed off all the fours. There's a lot of fours there. Damn it. Dusty. Job. Job. Gaz. Gaz. Oh, Later well, in you life. don't need any more than that. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Langford. He's good this year. <laughs> uh, in, a, in a thematic sense, Bloodborne is my favorite game of all time. <laughs> Does that make sense? In a in like in terms of its like themes, themes. and world and that it's my favorite game ever for that. In your the, top fifty themes list, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the world of uh, Yarnum is uh, awe inspiring in every facet, um, and it just never really loses its sense of atmosphere and immersion. It's uh, no matter how many times you've played it, I it's the first Souls like game I ever played, and it took me a few tries over. Over a year to really understand it, like uh, understanding how a Souls-like game is supposed to be played, is not something you can just pick up and do. It's like an yeah, it's like you have an initiation. Mm. It's like it just and then when it clicks, it's like magic. It's just so good. Um, and once I was comfortable, yeah, I was hooked, and I quickly racked up five playthroughs of the game uh, on on my way to the platinum trophy, and that was in very quick succession. I just smashed that game five times back over yeah. and over. But it gets quicker and quicker each time, right? Well, it does because you know where, where you're going, but it was still like I killed every boss in that game 
over five times and like going into a new game plus level every time so I got harder and harder, harder and I just kept smashing it you know <laughs> um, it's such a great co-op experience too which is how I played a lot of the game and created some really great uh, memories with my brother in that game and, and other friends um, and yeah like yeah I could go on and on the, the unique boss designs um, the weaponry the lore is amazing and the musical scores uh, above all else in my opinion on the epic um, epic OST scale in games um, sorry God of War but this is the one <laughs> that the God of War is probably number two um, on the uh, top 50 in, in terms of like original soundtrack list. overly epic yeah orchestral mm. scale um, yeah, there's honestly nothing, almost nothing quite like the start of a boss fight in Bloodborne, uh, where you feel equal parts terrified, but extremely satisfied for what's coming next. It's, uh, it's one of the best feelings I've ever had in a game is just experiencing a new boss for the first time and that orchestra, orchestra hits and it's just such an epic scale and yeah, you get your ass kicked, but that's part of the fun. Yeah. It's the best. Number three. Number three is Pokemon Crystal, which is uh, one of the games from from my childhood, but it doesn't, like, obviously it's from my childhood, but it doesn't feel like, I, I don't like it because I liked it when I was a kid. I, I still like it a stupidly amount now. Um, yeah. I think about playing this game, more than any game I own. Talk about replayability. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. I think about playing this game more than any game in my collection. I I, I almost think about playing it every week. <laughs> I genuinely never always think it. And I'm a fan of Pokemon, of course, but I feel like really I'm a fan of Pokemon Crystal and the rest of the games just kind of come along for the ride. Mm. Like there's other Pokemon games I love, obviously, and like you know, Red and Blue, great. I had Blue first technically, and I love Gen Three and whatever. Um, but but Pokemon Crystal and, and you know, Gold and Silver as well. That is what Pokemon is to me and you. Mm. Um, I think yeah. So while I had Blue first, I really I feel like Crystal is where I started to properly understand the complexities of Pokemon um, and how much and figure out how much I actually adore it. Um, and Gen 2 is commonly referred to as having the weakest um, lineup of Pokemon. Well, there were far fewer um, probably than other generations. But these but... guys are the heart and soul of the franchise to me, mm. the, the Pokemon in Gen 2. And I suppose that is part of the course for, with it being my childhood experience. Um but I don't care. That's how I feel. Uh, but yeah, even today, I play the game regularly. I tour, I watch speedruns of the game. <laughs> uh, I listen to remixes of the music all the time. I talk about it with friends. Um, so yeah, it means a great deal to me, this game. And I always jump at the chance to wake up in New Bark Town again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. I I uh, just uh, wanted to say as well, it's... Episode thirty six of the podcast, we look at generation two, but mm-hmm. that's one of the that's a thought we definitely didn't consider at the time, but it makes total sense, and it's a big admission to make, and that is that I think we are just fans of generation two, yeah, and yeah, 
apparently there's other games <laughs> that share the same <laughs> series name. Yeah, well, I've played every gen, but n- never has one hit like Gen 2. Well, it's because you, you're seeking something to be as good as Gen 2. Yeah, and it's nothing not because you just want a new Pokemon Nothing experience. ever will be. Mm. And and it's worth pointing out that Heart Gold and Soul Silver are j- just as good as the original games, like if not better in a technical sense. Like those games are fantastic. I love them, but, cri- but the Crystal will always be the one I want to play with for the... I love the way it looks. I love the way it sounds with the... Um, with like the old style like computerized music I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the music uh poly um yeah polyphonic yeah um i love the like the sprite work in gen 2 in original gen 2 of the pokemon is just so uh, charismatic it's so good to look at the music's amazing the like yeah that like the lance battle and his dragon eyes like just the way they look it's just so good it's just so good and uh i i mean i don't i don't know oh no i know where i was going I know where I was going. Yeah. I I was listening. I, I saw a list of uh um IGN's top ten. Or, or no, every every video no every this po- already sickens me. Yeah, I know. So every uh Pokemon game uh ranked. Right. Whatever. Oh, and the, t- and the No the, no 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 the number Ooh. one. The number one was Heart Gold and oh, Soul thank Silver. God. Thank and God. I just wanted to say that because that's it they, they didn't include the the originals because mm. it would they said it would have literally been number one. Heart Gold Soul Silver number two, and then the original three. Yeah, and yep. Uh, that just goes to show that nothing can get near the generation two. Yeah, well, that what you just said went a completely different way. I thought it was going to go. No, nah. I thought they were going to absolutely dog on them. They're not that insane. <laughs> that's why I thought sure. you were bringing it up. No, no, I just think that's that's, no, just, that's just testament to the, the strength of it. That yeah, a, a, an exact remake of it is uh is still the best they can do. I've been hearing the new Barktown theme in my head this whole time. Mm. It's literally like it's been implanted into my brain. It's going to put you to sleep. Yeah, it's crazy. I Yeah, the best game. The best game. The, I feel like half the, the reason I bought my analog pocket was to play that. The, the third best game, Will. <laughs> the third best game. <laughs> You're right. There are two others. Do we even need to bring them up? Though? <laughs> like one crystal. Uh, oh, well, I, let's bring them up. I think I know where it's heading. And let's I bring think them you up. need to bring these up. <laughs> Number two. Number two is Super Mario Galaxy. And uh, for a long time, this was my number one game. I, I, I've even told you in the past that this was my favorite game of all time. And um, for, many, for many reasons. Strange Space is a, a strange thing, right? But putting Mario in space is even stranger. And I think that's why I love it. Because it's so out of left field. For even Mario, which is generally pretty weird. Mm. Um, Plumbers end up in lots of weird spaces, but yeah. <laughs> didn't expect it to be that one. The plumber thing's so stupid. I swear Nintendo made him a plumber and then they've probably hated that fact ever since. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It makes no sense this game, really, but who cares? It's Mario in space. So that's just fun. Mm. Uh, I think this game was my true, the true catalyst in my life for... My love of Nintendo, heading, heading, you know, primarily into my teenage years. Um, I can still hear Mario loudly announcing Super Mario Galaxy on the Wii home screen at the bloody sound of the Dolby Atmos at the cinemas. Oh, yes, um, T-A-G-X. It's the loudest thing ever. Um, I can hear the somber sounds of the title screen um, with the logo floating through space and I can hear the 
strange zipping sound of Mario's bubble floating towards the galaxy on the world map. You know, that weird ass sounds like, yeah. yeah, but those things are like, <laughs> this keeps going. What, are you, <laughs> <laughs> you speak whale, <laughs> um, it's those, those little things that have always like just, I always remember them, you know, I remember them so vividly. And the game has such a has a certain eloquence to its presentation. I feel like compared to other Mario games, um, it feels very transformed from what Sunshine is and what Mario sixty four was. Um, and even though it's you know more linear than those games, it's not as it's not an open sandbox sort of like sixty four. It feels very like complete. The level of design is very um, t- so tailored to such fun. Um, gameplay and, and all the special abilities you can get that it just feels it never feels old like i've played the game so many times and i just always love it um, the, gra- the gravity dynamic is well yeah amazing the, the gravity um the gravity mechanics feel completely unique to any game i've ever played and nothing is ever i mean if you did it now you'd just be copying it right nothing's ever done it like it's the only game i can that i know of that has that sense of gravity um where you can long jump off a bloody star and swing yourself around with the gravity onto another planet and all this stuff. It's just like, yeah. I don't even know how they came up with the idea. Yeah. Like, it's so bizarre. Um, but I I love it. And the um, the orchestral score created for this game is uh, mesmerizing music. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> One of the first. <laughs> What is it? What is that one? That's the observatory. Oh, the observatory. Observatory. Yeah, you're right. Well done. Um, yeah, that that's that soundtrack's great. It's I don't know. It might be like the first proper orchestral band they've used in a Nintendo game, and it was just felt so alive because of it. Um, yeah, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't really fault it at all. I just love. I love every bit of it. I just got the buzz of the bee in my head now. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of times in my life when I was younger and it was just, there was nothing to worry about. Like when I think of it, it just feels like I was just playing that in the afternoon at peace and that was all that really mattered. Hmm. I always think of that game. It's like that that time of your life, you know? Um, yeah. And I'll definitely, it's the kind of game I would proudly pass on to like my kids. That game, because I just feel like it's such a, it's just a, such a good representation of what a fun video game experience can be to me. Mm. I don't know. It's just something about it. I just love it. And yep. yeah, Odyssey really, really challenged it in terms of my favorite. And technically, I, I go back to play Odyssey more, but I, I feel like my connection with Galaxy is just so strong um, in terms of it being a big part of why I love games at all that uh, I think it deserves to be this high. Yeah. But not as high as one other game. Yeah. The one, nice. there's, one, there's only one game that could come out on top of this battle of the top 50 games. That's right. And, and an extra 10. That's that right. Were, you um, can probably guess what it is too um, at, at this point. And I, it, it just had to be the one. It just had to be it. I didn't even th- I, before I wrote the 50 list I didn't even consider it to be one even though it's so meaningful to me but then when I really laid everything on the table I was like that that actually is it like I, 
I don't think anything will ever beat this, ever. Well, Will, <laughs> take a deep breath and tell us your number one game of all time. So my number one game of all time is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, <laughs> which is probably everyone's number one game of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but I... But when I when I saw it wasn't in your honorable mentions, I knew it had to be number yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> when it wasn't in my honorable honorable mentions. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, well, it's got to be high. <laughs> um, yeah, this had to be this had to be it. And for a long time, it it wasn't number one. And then, uh, to be honest, when I was playing Tears of the Kingdom uh, recently, for a minute there after I finished it, I thought I like Tears of the Kingdom better. But then, the days that have gone since I finished that, the my appreciation for Breath of the Wild has only just grown in spades like crazy since then and this yeah this game gave me the single greatest moment i've ever had in a video game with a video game rather in a, in a video game i was in it <laughs> um when i came home uh at, at after midnight on uh may th- uh, march march 3rd 2017 uh with my new N- nintendo switch uh, and breath and Zelda Breath of the Wild, and uh, place place the game into that cartridge slot and just press go, and uh, it actually changed the way that I look at video games forever. Just that, just putting it in and starting that game, and those opening couple of hours in the game is the greatest thing I've ever played, <laughs> like in my life. Like I was, it's never, it'll, I'll, I'll never top it. I can't imagine. Mm. There may be more editions of this deck that I don't think this will ever be topped <laughs> as my number For one. The first edition, it's number one. That's okay. Just the feeling it provided on that launch night was like the feeling of true child childlike wonder that I like that I, I probably hadn't have had in since I was a child. You know, I was just full on like a little kid, um, and like a child you have no idea not a single idea of what is coming next in front of you but you're 100% immersed in whatever it is um and that's just an unbeatable feeling you know and like this Zelda game was a completely new step for Zelda in the way Zelda was and the Nintendo Switch was a brand new concept for a console that never been done that was so mysterious and the matchup of the two and the excitement of the build-up in that night will, yeah, like nothing will ever be that exciting in terms of games or possibly even, like for me, in, in entertainment and media ever in my life. Like it was the most exciting gaming thing I could ever have experienced, you know. Um, and yeah, Breath of the Wild, it's got... The, the atmosphere of the game is just so surreal. It's, you feel so isolated in the world. You have no idea where to go or what to do. You're not, you're not giving any... You're hardly given any sense of direction except a couple of key cues of like, maybe this, maybe that. And you just... You just they just let you rip wherever you want. And you, it just feels like you're truly carving your own journey in in the game. And, like, and then that's all that matters. Like, I, you feel so in control of your own destiny it's mm. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it and like Tears of the Kingdom 
is a such I already talked about it, such a great game, but even that can never rival the experience of playing Breath of the Wild on the first time you play that through because you know what you're doing. Like we've all played Breath of the Wild, you play Tears of the Kingdom, you 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 know how to play, you know how to explore, you know how to do the climbing. Nothing nothing was every single part of Breath of the Wild when I first played it was brand new to every inch of the game mm. and every single type of the experience in the game. So yeah, the, just the memory like of that will never be topped. Um, and uh, yeah, the impact was so large on me loving Zelda, loving Nintendo, loving the Switch and loving video games in general. Um, yeah, that's why it's my favorite game of all time and, and that, it always will be probably. And that's what defines a, a list of uh, most impactful, impactful, memorable, significant games. Yeah. Is that it doesn't, of course, every single, well, not in every series, of course, but like so more often than not, when you really love a series, you love it because it's a good series. So normally the sequel ends up being a bit better Yeah, in terms of gameplay and everything. But that's why it's so hard to make these lists. Mm. Because you look at the first game, or you know the first or second game, and you go, "Oh, the second game was better in every way." Yeah, but that first one would just hit me completely different. Yeah, uh, I mean, it could be reversed. It might be that the second one hits you different, or you know, anything like that. But it's just a, uh, yeah, that's why these lists are special, and it's not anyone's list; it's your list. Yeah, but that, yeah, that, as I said, all those games in top five could have been number one. But the realization I had in the last month that of why Breath of the Wild has to be number one, like really hit me, hit me uh, strongly. I just all of a sudden realized that is actually lot like probably the most peak gaming moment or time I'll ever ever have in my life, and that's why it has to be number one because it's the greatest memory, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, it just makes it. total sense. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's my top fifty video games. There yeah. you go. Two and a half hours later, my god, I didn't think it would take that long. <laughs> god. And if you had a game that was to be number zero on your list, <laughs> well, I mean, probably something from Final Fantasy or <laughs> or um, Sonic or whatever, one of those ones. Yeah. Um, Cold. Yeah. Black Ops um, mm. 5, whenever that comes out, probably. On the phone, that one. Yeah. Um, the Sims. I don't know, Luke. Mm. I've just pulled my heart out. You're <laughs> asking me these questions. I don't play That was though. the burning question. Maybe Tetris. You can't get away with it. I do you, like Tetris. You can't escape the heat just because it's your top 50. <laughs> yeah. Well, the only heat I want right now is the pizza in my gob that we order in five seconds as soon as we finish this. We and, need to eat. And we've earned it. Yeah, uh, we have. Uh, I've earned it listening. and uh, But, of course... I'm. I need to charge up yep. because my time is. My time has come. My, my your time is now. My time is Us now. Hustle loyalty and respect. Oh yeah, your time is now. Yeah, the champ is here. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks everybody for tuning in to listen to Will's top fifty. Uh, it's obviously uh, Will's a very intelligible uh, gamer. He loves and feels all the games he plays, as you can tell by the uh, the, yeah. the the nuance of emotional. Of, of emotion that it has extracted from him. Yes. And, uh, and I do he's love giving into it. I do love the gaming world. And uh, yeah, some of those games high on my list made me uh, find a whole new appreciation for it completely again, you know? 
Before one last question before we go. Do you want me to ask you one? No, no, no. I'll, I'm going to ask you. What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> Is how, that how are you? <laughs> uh, are you are you shocked? Are you? Is there any surprises, or are you? Do you no. think the list was part of the course? I don't think it's part of the course. I don't, there mm. weren't any surprises in there. The, the, any strange omissions or? Well, no. Or? I think the any omissions you sort of explained, like you talk about, uh, you know, the will of the wisps, Ori. Mm. Uh, you'd think, I know, I know, Ori in the blind forest would be in. You know, if you're talking again, we're talking about the best games that you've played. Yeah, I think that would be in there, but. The fact that Will the Wisps does the same thing better, yeah, I understand the the why that rep- it almost represents yeah, both I, while being singular. Yeah, but it, Blind Forest could make could technically make that list, hmm. but I feel like I love so many games that and, and and they do genuinely feel like one big package to me that I I don't even I don't want to waste. Well, it's not even wasting. I don't want to use a second spot when I could highlight something else I love. Yeah, that's the only that's the only reason. But mm-hmm. if like. For instance, in your list, if they're both in there, it makes totally sense to have them in the list. Well, replaces yeah. uh, if one if one was uh, more significant than the other, then yeah. it, it technically does replace it yeah. in your heart. Because we think a will well, of the wisps, we think a will of the wisps all the time. Yeah, but I don't want to like, I don't necessarily want to play Blind Forest uh, tomorrow. Mm. I want to play Will of the Wisps. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. No, so I think it was all pretty. It, I didn't know the order of things, uh, and I know that a lot's been influenced recently by your, you know, your, your Metroid. Um, yeah, uh, love. Yeah, uh, no obviously. Pikmin though, but I did put Pikmin three in my honorable mentions because I felt I deserved it because that's a series I've come to love very recently. But just, yeah, like I do love it, but just don't hit hard enough to make the the fifty for now. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I don't think Pikmin's ever made anyone's top fifty. So <laughs> I think except, we had to. I think we had to warm it up to the except idea. Except Arlo first. on YouTube, a YouTuber hits Pikmin's like his absolute thing. Oh, there you go. He's known as the Pikmin guy. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for joining us uh, for this. Yeah, uh, thanks, everybody. Great episode of hope, episode 50, part A. Hope that was enjoyable. Hope you enjoyed it, Luke. I hope did. Hope you enjoyed my uh, slide deck I made. That was cool. Super um, groovy. And, yeah, I'm very excited for your list in the in the part B. Let's let's get to it. Let's yeah. go. Let's eat pizza first and then pizza we'll get first. to it. Get to it. Yeah. See ya. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I need to fart so bad. Oh, shit. We're <laughs> <on the stage. laughs>